Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Time where Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by Caden McFarland, KJRH in Tulsa. We'll get Caden's thoughts on the NCAA tournament. What went wrong for the Big 12? Baylor still alive. He also covers that Oral Roberts team that happens to be in the Sweet 16. We'll get Caden's insights when he stops by and joins us coming up later on in today's show. Thomas Bridges is here with me as always. But before I even bring in Tom, Brian O'Connor, Coach Bo, who you hear from usually in the second half of the show, Coach Bo's football fix, is actually here with us for the entire show. This is the first time we've had all three of us together for the whole show. And actually, I'm in Bo's living room right now. I'm in his house. And uh, I just got fully vaccinated today. Bo said I couldn't come over until I get, got fully vaccinated. And so once I did that, the very first thing I did was show up at, at Bo's house. Bo, thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for coming, thanks for coming by. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird being on here doing this in person. Usually we're on Zoom doing these. But uh, <laughs> hey, it's fun. And uh, I'm going to have some fun with you guys today. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. Thomas Bridges is here. Tom, how are we doing? I'm at Bo's house in spirit. <laughs> He's playing the Pac-Man machine in the corner. It's <laughs> right <laughs> now. For those that can't see at home, because uh, Bo and I are the only ones that are that are here, and also for Tom, so he has this visual. This is just to give you perspective what I'm looking at here, folks. In uh, in Bo's man cave of sorts, I see probably more signed baseballs than I ever have in my whole life. Uh, I see a signed Bo Jackson poster. A signed Tom Brady Super Bowl jersey. I see a Dwayne Wade All Star jersey. All sorts of signed pictures and the Pac Man machine and all that. I mean, uh, you got a uh, you got quite the uh, display around here. I hope you got that insured, Bo. Everything's insured here. Yeah, we don't mess around. It. This place ever burns down, I'm going to get a huge check. Uh, you know, it, it, that's my hobby. I like to collect stuff, and uh, I have some pretty cool pieces. Yeah. I, I, my obsession right now is the baseball collection kind of behind me here. I got 200 plus now autographed baseballs. What is the, the favorite thing that you own here? My favorite thing. Um, mm. My favorite is that Kirby Puckett jersey over there that I haven't hung up yet. Okay. So I have a throwback jersey signed by Kirby Puckett before he passed away. It's got the full letter of authenticity, all that good stuff. And uh, had it professionally framed a couple years ago and that's my favorite item. Um, it's just um, one of my best friends, my old college roommate, Neil Wettengale. Kirby Puckett was his favorite player. And so when I got the jersey, um, I actually texted him a picture of it. And he was like, oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's probably my favorite item. Um, I've got items that like, I don't know, I think are pretty cool. But I've got a few things that are just like, wow, I came across and got lucky on a few things. But that's one of my favorites. Um, let me see. My favorite is probably the LSU gnome. The, yeah, the LSU gnome is a good one. I think my, my dad gave that to me before he passed. So I've had that for a long time. <laughs> or uh, um, Mr. Mr. Potato Head. I thought I, I got, got canceled. I have, yeah, I have two Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> I, have, I have Indiana Jones and Darth Vader, Mr. Potato Heads. <laughs> before they all go away. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, we just, I got a few things I like, and kind of is what it is. <laughs> nice. Tom, you, we got to get you here and see this place. It's quite the setup. 
I need to. And Bo, what place in Lawrence are you telling me about? The seafood place? I got to come try. Oh, the crustaceans. Yeah. Shout out to Chris oh, yeah. there in Lawrence. Yeah. Oh, wow. We went yeah, last I got week. A kiddo went, and it was incredible. So shout out to the to my good to the good folks at Crustaceans for taking good care of us last week. I like it. I like it. Uh, some good seafood. We we uh, I, I can't recall Lawrence being a big seafood hub. Yeah, I like the, you know I'm from Louisiana and it. I haven't had good seafood here the entire time I've lived here, and so that was to, to try that out last week was a very very pleasant surprise. Okay, I'll have to so, get that next time I'm in yeah. town. Uh, fortunately, you know, I got to go back to work tomorrow. So I did not make the, uh, the trip this time, but I'll be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, Tom, there, there was this, uh, this thing over the weekend. It's called the NCAA tournaments and, uh, pretty exciting to say the least. We had more double digit seeds win first round games than ever before. Just unbelievable of what we saw this, uh, this past weekend in the big dance. And I loved every minute of it. Uh, my kids, Jayhawks, got the crap kicked out of them, and that's putting it kindly. Um, you know, I came down here to Lawrence to apply to be head coach and AD of the University of Kansas since both those jobs are open. I even gave them an offer. I said, I'll do both, and, you know, you, you only have to pay me just a little bit less than you paid less miles, and I'll do both jobs. I offered that. The first thing I was going to do was fire Bill Self after that performance. Um, of course, I'm, I'm kidding. But, uh, wow, that was bad. But even then, guys, and, and I know this might sound easy to say of sorts, but I was just so glad we had the tournament back, Tom, that I got over that loss with it a day. I was already moved on because we had so many great games, because we went two years without basketball in March – um, all of it. I, I just soaked it all in. I, I was just glad to have it. I hate to sound like just glad to be here guy, but I think that's kind of where I'm at at this point uh, with, uh, with the tournament, how it all played out Tom. Well, hell that's um, speaking of glad to be here. And you, you mentioned big 12, that's kind of how Texas played in their first game. And, and really a lot of the other people from the or teams from the big 12, I mean, to, to have Oral Roberts as the only Oklahoma team left in this tournament is, one, incredible. Uh, two, sad. I mean, I guess you could call it bittersweet, but, oh, man. Um, I, I, I can't even believe that it's, that it's gotten to that point, and I don't think anybody would have guessed. If anybody had – oh, I mean, everyone had OU losing to Gonzaga. Oklahoma State losing to Oregon State, but Oral Roberts making it to the sweet 16 if you do and show it to me on your bracket i will buy you a beer at the bar when i start drinking again you heard it here if you live in tulsa and the funniest thing jones is i live pretty much on campus at oral roberts i can see the campus from my house um so i can see russia from my house (laughs) can you yeah I mean, Omaha. Man, old Sarah, you know, we just look out and we see it. Yeah. <laughs> he has no clue what you're talking about. No, that went over his head. Yeah, dude, I don't know. Google. Google I, will be your friend. I can see Russia from <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, 
This uh, this tournament was so exciting. I love what Oral Roberts did. We're going to talk about that more with Caden. That was probably my favorite thing about this tournament weekend was to see Oral Roberts get those two wins to pull off the big upsets against Ohio State. Then they come from behind win against Florida. Um, that was my favorite thing. Bowl, I know that the LSU loss was wasn't easy to take in to Michigan, but what, what was just your favorite thing about what? what occurred these last few days. You know, as an LSU guy, I was really pissed at the seeding. I was really pissed that we got an eight seed. And I was like, we should, we should be higher than an eight. And then everything I said about being, we should be higher than an eight was totally correct. Come Monday, we played so hard and so great against Michigan. I mean, just Michigan was the better team and beat us. And all I could think of was then I watched the KU game and I went, there are three. Oh, hell no. Like, we should have swept. <laughs> they should have been the eight. We should have been the three. Um, no, disappointed. Yeah, I was disappointed LSU lost. But at the same time, we're not really a basketball school. I mean, we, we're trying to be. I mean, we're trying to buy players, too. I mean, it's what everybody does, right? That's what everybody does. Um, my favorite well, the secret. The secret is you got to hire the bro- older brother. Yeah, well, I mean, hey, we're the ones who popularized that. We hired the dad when we got Pistol Pete Maravich in the 50s, in the 60s. Yeah, that's true. I'm going to give you that. And yeah. then you, you hired the uh, the guy that happened to know Shaq when he was a kid. Well, Dale Brown was already the coach for a long time, and then he, he met Shaq on the deal. Right. Yeah, Dale Brown was kind of an institution already before Shaq. Okay, and then – uh, Ben Simmons, you know, you had that the was connection the, there. Yeah, the connection with the, with the uh, was his uh, dad's friend or his uncle or something like that. Yeah, we so cheat, that's we, the only we, way you can get good players at LSU with the best of them. Okay, look, but it's college basketball, everybody cheats. <laughs> if you don't believe me, look at the list. How many teams are under, are under investigation right now? And, and the ones that aren't cheating are the ones that suck. Well, either that or they're just really, really good at hiding it, which I mean, congratulations if you can do that. You know, it's uh, yeah, that's pretty outstanding. I, I just think, you know, I, as I watch the tournament, the thing that I like is I'm just glad we have it. Yes. In this COVID world and everything going on, um, there I have two really thing takeaways from the tournament to me. One is I'm glad we're having it. I'm glad these guys get to play. I'm glad they're I guess they're booting in the bubble thing. I think it's a good smart idea. Only had one issue. It was the VCU thing. And, right. Um. So I think that's a great deal, and I'm glad to see we're having a tournament because we've lost so much in sports in the last year. The other thing that I just cannot get my mind past is those kids aren't getting paid and how much money we're seeing on TV every one of those games. And How many Charles Barkley Capital One commercials have we seen? Yeah, him and Spike. And how many Coca-Cola commercials? That Pinocchio commercial killed me. Yeah. Oh, I, I that you couldn't pay me to drink Coke Orange Vanilla. <laughs> Never. It's, I just threw up my mouth a little bit. Um, yeah, I. So those are the two things I kind of takeaways. I'm glad they're playing. Um, glad to see it. Oh, I know on the court, my favorite thing. Anytime that Texas loses, <laughs> I'm down. Anytime. If a Big 12 team had to lose in the first round, we should Texas. Let let it be Texas, man. Just, just, man, again, Texas, you know. So we're recording this Wednesday night. Uh, Texas lost, what was that, Sunday evening? Uh, Or no, 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 that was uh, was Saturday evening. 
How is Shocker Smart still employed at the University of Texas today? I'm surprised he's not fired because after their performance in the Big 12 championship game, that was the biggest. You know, I'm not even mad that OSU lost. I, I was a little disappointed. But if I'm a Texas fan, I am thoroughly upset. Uh, they had no business losing to Abilene Christian. Yeah, I mean, no business. And then as soon as they lost, I, I saw they lost two players to the portal. Uh, I mean, Shaka Smart had his job saved and then pretty much just lost it again. He had his, he had it saved for like a week and a half. Well, I don't know. I think the big thing on him saving his job was also because a, a higher seed loss in the first round too with Ohio State losing. He's yeah, also, yeah. Like, they don't lose. State loses. You know, it's two. It's not as big as a glaring of a hole. I mean, no one's. Everyone's talking about Oral Roberts still. No one's talking about Texas. But I'm. I, we can bullshit on Texas all night. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'm. I'm purely on the. I mean, I'll drive the bus on the. I hate Texas thing. The other. <laughs> thing about, the other thing about the tournament this year, though, is that, and we kind of talked about this in football, a few a few weeks ago, is that. I'm not really going to give a lot of coaches grief about this season. Just all the problems and all the issues and everything they've had to do, you know, that's an addition to their normal coaching job. And everything you've had to do to keep players healthy, to keep everybody safe. You know, I don't want to say you want to punt this season, but at the same time, it's one of those things where it's a really nice we, – we shouldn't be holding people too responsible. I can see where you're coming from on that, and to an extent you're right. Um, but in the case of Shaka Smart, you're talking about a guy that's been given how many opportunities over and over again? I mean, how many football coaches have been there at Texas since Shaka's been there now? Charlie Stoll, Tom Herman, Steve Sarkeesian. Has he been there that long? He's been there through three football coaches, and he hasn't won one damn NCAA tournament game in that stretch. I, wait a minute. Wait, is that true? He's been there that Yes. It doesn't seem like it. Maybe I'm just getting old, but I, I – This is seventh year at Texas. Is it really? I don't think he'd been there that long. How the hell has Texas had three football coaches in seven years? <laughs> They're Texas. Everybody should win at Texas. <laughs> How much am I allowed to cuss here? Oh, oh f- Texas. Hey, you say that again. <laughs> hey, you're in your own house. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> Bo knows. I see it on the wall. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Texas losing was uh, was funny, yes. Uh, but at the same time, a little bit disappointing, too. Um, when that looked like they could be a Final Four team. Texas was a popular pick to come out of the region, especially when you had Michigan is what everybody thought was the weakest one seed. And then they, you know, get out their two wins and such. And so, uh, you know, for them to not even get that opportunity to play Michigan and such was uh, was just wild to see a Texas lose that way. So that's, that's a good point on Texas. Um, you know, what about – if you want to talk upsets and such, um, besides the wackiness of the first round and such, what about the second round of Illinois losing to Loyola Chicago? Now, Loyola has done a hell of a job these last four years. You know, this is their second Sweet 16 appearance in the last four years. It's been incredible what, what they've done. You know, Porter Mo- Moser's done with that program. 
Uh, still can't believe Shan Zinger fired him back in the day, by the way. It tells you all you need to know about Shan Zinger uh, and <laughs> not his history at Kansas. Um, but Porter's done a great job there. They've really built something there with Loyola Chicago. But here was an Illinois team that you had the head coach in Brad Underwood. You had the guards in I.O. and company. You had the bigs. I mean, they just seemed like a well-rounded team. They were coming in as hot as anybody in college basketball, and they just hit a wall. Uh, I just don't understand about Illinois. Uh, not only – it'd been one thing, Tom, if Illinois would have lost a close game to Loyola Chicago. But they never led that game. They were down the entire game. And Loyola uh, ends up winning by, what was it, 10 points or so? To me, that was as big of an upset as any of the tournament to see this team, the team that was viewed as good as anybody in the country, the way that they were playing, um, to lose in that situation and to get dominated like they did, it was inexcusable. You lose games in the tournament, sure, but to play as bad as they did, I mean, that was uh, that was shocking, Tom. Yeah, I mean, watching that game, I thought, okay, you know, in the first half, I was like, all right, a lot of these games, the better team comes out in the end. But, I mean, second half, they just put on a clinic. I mean, Loyola just completely shut them down. Um, and, and, you know, how the seating worked, we had talked about it, that ha-ha, you know, they want Brad Underwood versus former team, OSU versus Illinois. And, you know, I can't even say we got robbed because – Oregon State outplayed the Oklahoma State, and you know Loyola just completely hammered Illinois. Yeah, and you know as far as we mentioned these Big Twelve teams, Baylor being the only team left, the Big Ten, uh, you know Michigan is the only team left at this point too. Um, Here is one case I will make, and you two. I very well could see adamantly disagree with me on this, and that's okay. But I'm going to go ahead and say it, ahead and say it anyway. Um, I would make the case, guys, that you look at what how strong the Big 12 and the Big 10 were, um, that those conferences beat up on each other so much that their teams were worn out. Their teams were not as fresh as some of these mid-majors that they lost to of sorts. Um, take Loyola, for example, and I'm not taking anything away from Loyola at all. Loyola would finish fifth at best in the Big Ten, at best, right? If they played a full Big Ten slate against all those teams, at best, that Loyola team's finishing fifth. They did not go through that gauntlet that Illinois went through every single night, or the same thing that you could say about the rest of those Big 12 teams. Look at the Pac-12, too. Pac-12 has, what, everyone advanced to the Sweet 16? We didn't think the Pac-12 was that great this year. There was not a whole lot of hype about the Pac-12. The Pac-12 didn't do anything impressive with the non-con. So I do think that that's a part of it is that these teams that, you know, the Big 12 and Big 10 kind of beat up each other and end up hurting them when it came to last weekend. Am I right or am I wrong on that, Tom? You know, I think you're right. I mean, that's, you know, what happened. And, you know, you you mentioned the pack. I mean, Oregon got the benefit of the doubt, obviously beating or not beating VCU, but the no contest. But 
then they went on, you know, to, to dominate their opponents. So it's just like, well, did we, did we get it all wrong? I mean, I don't think we got it all wrong. I still think big 12 is full of quality teams, but a man, was it, was it me or did we just choke it away as a whole? What say you, Bo? Do you think that's a legit argument for the Big 12 and Big 10? They beat each other up too much? Or did we overrate those conferences? Well, I think it's a little bit overrated, actually. I, here's why I say that. Through the whole season, Big 12-wise, it was Baylor and it was everybody else. And we talked about how, a couple weeks ago, how off, you know, off, off, off area and me, um, we, were, we didn't know who KU was, as an yeah. example. A traditional power. We really didn't know who they were a month ago. And then they get on a hot streak. Oklahoma State's kind of do the same thing. It's like, okay, now you've got two or three of these teams that crept up the ratings and the rankings, and then they get good seeds. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, I think that there's some, I mean, there, there's some value to what you're saying. But I think in the end, um, a little bit of it's just randomness of it's a tournament and you're going to have upsets. But I, so I don't really judge a, a a conference themselves based upon how they do it in one tournament. But so I can see your point, but at the same time, we really didn't know who the big 12 was outside of one team, the big 10. Yeah. Illinois has been up there. Michigan's been up there. Uh, Ohio state's been up there. Iowa. Iowa has been in the top. Yeah. So I mean, Iowa got ran out of the building by Oregon. Day. I guess yeah. you could say that you can make a better argument for that with the big 10 than you could the big 12 this season. But I think in the end, I, you're looking at a tournament, and it's just a matchup deal. You, you never know who has your number on a particular day, you know. And then you got the, you know, the extra thing of being, you know, shacked up in a place where everybody's kind of shacked up and in, in quarantined in a certain area. Um, you know, you know how teams are going to react to that. So I, I tend not to give too much credence to how teams do in that tournament as to how they overall are, because, I mean, when was the last time the best team in the tournament won the tournament? Um, I think Virginia was the best team when they won it two years ago. Virginia was the best team two or three years ago going in when they lost in the first round. Oh, I think Villanova was better than they were. Yeah. Villanova, I think the last two tournaments the best team did win. Yeah. I just, but I, I, I see what you mean. Yeah, Traditionally speaking, we've seen a lot of tournaments you, you the best you team did win. You see teams that are two, threes, and fours who can make a run. And, and if you look at that, I, I just think there's a little bit of parity there. So I think more than anything else, you just have parity. Yeah, that's fair. And a couple more things before we look at the this weekend's games and look at them individually. I, I have a couple questions for both of you boys. Um, the first of those being Gonzaga and Baylor. Tom, we talked about those two all season. The top of the mountain, um, Gonzaga, there was questions about, okay, your schedule wasn't that great playing in the WCC and having a limited non-con. How good are you really? That was a question about Gonzaga, although you and I have been on the Gonzaga bandwagon all year. We've said that's a legit team. In every test that they've been given, although they haven't been given many tests, they have passed the flying colors. Baylor, they hit a wall when they came back from COVID, right? They weren't, weren't the same team, but then towards the end of the regular season, they found themselves again. And, Tom, what we saw out of Gonzaga and Baylor, what do we say? The cream rises to the top. Those looked like champion caliber teams. 
Gonzaga and Baylor this past weekend. We'll see if they play the same way before. But what we saw to Gonzaga and Baylor, those were the championship caliber teams we've been talking about all season. That Those are still the two teams to beat. Despite all the craziness that happened uh, with all these double-digit seeds getting wins and how the Sweet 16 stacks up, Tom, the main storyline of this tournament is not changed. This is still Gonzaga and Baylor versus everyone else. Yeah, it is. I mean, they both showed out. Um, Baylor, little, you know, little rusty start just at first in the second game. But after that, they put on a clinic and, and were the Baylor that we've seen, you know, at the beginning of the season. Gonzaga, I mean, not a bad thing to say about them. I mean, they expectingly just absolutely ran Norfolk State out of the building. You mentioned happy to be here. Uh, I think Norfolk State was just happy to get their ass whooped. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, now, the other thing, before we look at these games individually real quick, guys, um, you know, this tournament obviously has presented different obstacles than we've ever seen before, right, with the, with the bubble being in Indiana, and these guys aren't going home and getting the hero treatment, you know, for what they just pulled off for this first weekend. You're not seeing – Earl Roberts go back to 81st and Lewis and Tulsa and having a big party. You're not seeing uh, – oh, The Navy Center was pretty lit. No, I'm talking about the players, talking about the teams. Oh, right. You're well, not I don't seeing, think they have a choice. Right. You're not seeing Loyola go back to Chicago and, you know, light it up at uh, the Sears Tower. You know, that's not happening this week. They're staying in Indiana. Um, is it for these mid-majors that are remaining, you know, these – uh, these surprise teams, you know, 11 seed Syracuse, 8 seed Loyola, 12 seed Oregon State, 15 seed Oral Roberts, uh, you know, 11 seed UCLA, you know, these, these uh, underdogs. Is it going to play to their advantage this year of staying home there in Indiana, you know, staying in the bubble, not getting told they're the greatest people of all time? and stay focused on basketball and go right into these next games or will it not make any difference. I'm very intrigued. This is the only time we're ever going to see it this way, but I think there's a possibility this could play to their advantage compared to when they've gone home in the past after these first weekends, when we've seen things blow up where they didn't look even close to the same team they were before by the second weekend. Do you think that's a possibility, Bo, that this plays to their advantage? I think so. I think the better teams are going to play better. I think that you get you're you you've got a you're able to get some rhythm. You're able to get you know a um, some a rhythm of what you're going to do. You know every day is the same. It's not going home and you know walking around campus and hearing oh how great you guys are yada yada. No, I think there's some definitely something to that. I think the cream will rise to the top here. I think the better seated teams will better coach teams that will take advantage of this. What do you think, Tom? You think it plays any advantage to these uh, these lower seeds staying in Indy? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, they don't get to go. And, you know, I mean, granted, Oral Roberts and Loyola wouldn't be going back and partying or doing anything. But, you know, <laughs> you don't have to, you know, they're not traveling. There's not any miles, you know, back and forth. And some of these teams are far away. I mean, Indianapolis is not far or is, is far for some of these for some of these teams. So, I mean, I think that's definitely going to play. I mean, 
you could even say it worked that way in, you know, for some teams um, in the NBA bubble. I mean, not having to travel back and forth and, uh, you know, being able to stay in one spot and get settled in and get a little comfortable, um, you know, could help a lot of these teams. Yeah, we'll see. Um, We'll talk about that more with Cade McFarlane when he joins us coming up in a bit. I do want to look at these games individually. Let's start with uh, the uh, Saturday games uh, when we get started at uh, 1.40 on Saturday. Oregon State takes on Loyola. Uh, guys, Oregon State, uh, you know, they look very good in their win against Oklahoma State and what they did to uh, pull off that uh, that win in their, uh, their 5-12 matchup before that as uh, Oregon State was able to uh, you know, get that win against Tennessee. They're just dominating win. Uh, you know, they, they led almost wall to wall in both games they faced. Loyola, though, I think is a little bit better. I think this is a good game that could come down to the wire, but um, Tom, I'm leaning towards Loyola. I, I think Loyola gets to the final four again. I think they win this one and the next. I think they're the best team in that region that includes them, Oregon state, Syracuse and Houston. I, I like what they, what that group has. Yeah, I like what they have, too. I'm not ready to say Final Four just yet, uh, but I am ready to say that they will beat Oregon State. Um, I mean, I, I think they have the the power of that old lady in the chair. Uh, <laughs> forgive me that I don't know her name. I should by the Come on, Tom. Right, she's been around a while, but, man, I, I'd like – I wish OSU had one of those old ladies. She's 102 and sexy. Is she really 102? Yes, she is. Yes. So that is badass. I hope, I hope, I hope it, at 75, if I make it that long, I hope I'm going out to sporting events. She's fully vaccinated, and she had to be there for her team. Everything she prayed for before the Illinois game came into existence. So maybe I need in her. That, in, that case, in that case, I hope Loyola wins the championship. <laughs> I didn't know she was 100. I knew she was old, obviously. I didn't know she was 102. Yeah. Bo, are you riding Loyola too? What do you think about them at Oregon State? I'm just shocked he's 102. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm no, I'm no expert here. I don't know much about both teams. I, it's hard to go against the power of prayer, I suppose. But um, I, I, I'm gonna ride Oregon State. It's because they're called the Beavers. Um, you like Beavers? Like beavers, of course I do. Why? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm a married man, but it doesn't mean I don't don't enjoy a nice Beaver <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh my god well then <laughs> that escalated quickly uh Warren, you're a little hard on the beaver last night uh, it's been said once or twice um uh, so anyway um no I, i'm i'm gonna go with, with oregon state i like seeing the idea of a, of a 12 seed running that running that table a little bit and um you know i, I again i'm just looking at what i've seen and what limited amount i've seen i, I kind of like the athletes with oregon state and I'll take Oregon State, but uh, I really don't have a strong opinion either way here. Okay, fair enough. Um, also, uh, looking ahead uh, to Saturday, once we get done with Oregon State Loyola, then uh, Villanova and Baylor will do business. And, guys, I know this is a Sweet 16 game, but Villanova played so well um, in their two matchups, you know, beating the crap out of North Texas and – all they did, we know Jay Wright's one of the best coaches in college basketball, if not the very best coach in college basketball. 
Um, this one, if I think you could make a case, actually, I'm not even gonna make a case. Uh, I, I don't. I'm not even gonna put this hypothetical out there. I'll just say it as a as a statement. I think this matchup for Baylor is going to be tougher for them than a matchup would be against Arkansas or Oral Roberts, either one. This, to me, feels like Baylor's biggest hurdle to get to the Final Four is this Villanova team. I like Baylor to win, but, Tom, I think this is going to be the best ball game of the Sweet 16. This is a heck of a matchup there. Um, tough for Baylor. Uh, could really go either way, but this is this is going to be Baylor's toughest obstacle ahead. Yeah, it really is. And, and, and for Baylor, I, I, I like them over Nova too, but uh, this one's going to be a nail biter. And, and if I'm a Baylor fan, I'm super nervous for, for, I guess, I mean, it, it would be an upset, uh, but it, you know, if Villanova pulled it out, it wouldn't be that much of an upset in my mind. Villanova's been there before. Uh, and, you know, this Baylor team's good and has been there before too, but um, I mean, it's one of those teams that it's like, well, you know, you're not going to be shocked if Villanova pulls it off. It's not going to be a, oh, wow, type game. It's going to be like, well, it is Villanova. Um, and, and we've seen this Baylor team be vulnerable um, here recently. It's not like they just knocked the lights out of everybody. Um, so it is possible. I like Baylor, but it's definitely going to be the game to watch. Bo, I, I, this feels like a regional final in the Sweet 16. It does. It feels like a regional. That's a really well put. Uh, you know, Baylor's going to have the athletes. They probably have the better players. But, I, I mean, you got to bet against Jay Wright. I mean, he's just a great coach. And if he's going to have a plan, he's got a few days also to put together some ideas here. So, I I, I think it's going to be a hell of a game. And uh, I like Baylor just because I think they're the better team. But, boy, if, if, if we're going to see a shock here, I think – Villanova is a team that can win this game. I, I'm going to take Baylor, though. Okay. Um, the uh, other Saturday games, two more for you. Uh, Oral Roberts taking on Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas is an 11-point favorite in this one. I think the the run for ORU runs out here. I like Ace Smiths and these guys that ORU has, and they can score and they can shoot threes. But as we talked about earlier, it's all about matchups in this. And Arkansas is a very good three-point shooting team that loves to score a lot of points. This Christian school versus 40 seconds of hell, I'm riding with the devil in this one. Uh, give me uh, Arkansas to win. But 11 points, too many points. I think Oral Roberts can keep it within 11, Tom. Do you believe in miracles? Not, not this, I believe in a gambling miracle here, but not a, not a win-win. I'm riding with ORU. I'm going to do it. I didn't like to see him take out Ohio State at first because I had Ohio State beat. But now that that's all said and done, give me the Golden Eagles. No, no, no. I don't know if you're allowed to jump on the Oral Roberts bandwagon. I, I, you know, I pretty much live on campus, and they can still they can still get the smoke because they won't let me play their disc golf course, those stingy bastards. Uh, but I will root for their basketball team. Um, it's it's going to be kind of – I mean, you got a lot of Arkansas fans here in Oklahoma too. Um, but every time, you know, me and my roommates sit here and we were talking about ORU and, you know, we're not the biggest fans of the school, but 
Uh, as far as the basketball team goes, you know, we got excited every time they showed the Navy Center. And it's exciting for those students, too. Um, you want so to the action to text me, Bo? He, he's totally BSing right now. I, I can read it. the text. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Uh, here's the text from Tom, what he really <clears throat> said about ORU. F-O-R-U, go Buckeyes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I did because I had the Buckeyes. This is going to jack my bracket. Uh, it but now that it's done, I'm like, well, the hell with it. Might as well. <laughs> I mean, at least make me look good. <laughs> All right. So you go, though, Roberts. Arkansas or you, Bull? Um, I, I like the Hogs, man. I, I like the Hogs. I think it's the biggest win in this little bracket we're going to see. I think they're going to run them out of the building. So you like them cover 11, too. Oh, I do. I do. Don't, don't, don't take my gambling advice. But uh, well, we, we, we learned that during football season. Hey, 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 hey. I was better than most. <laughs> <laughs> I beat you. I'm better than Jeff Portnoy. I'll say that. <laughs> Who's uh, Jeff Portnoy? Or, uh, what am I thinking? Uh, Dave Portnoy? Dave Portnoy, yeah. Dave Portnoy, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll put, my, I'll put myself against Portnoy any day of the week. <laughs> yeah, at least I'm not going to get in trouble for the uh, stock picks either. Um, uh O'Connor advisor group.com. I think that should be his alias. Instead of Dave Portnoy, his alias should be Jeff Portwine. Because <laughs> no one will ever know the difference. Yeah. So no, I like Arkansas. I like them big. Um, they got to come out and shoot the lights out. That's what they do. And uh, I, I kind of like Arkansas to go to the Final Four. So. Ooh, okay. So you like Arkansas then to beat Baylor? No, they're going to play in – they got the Syracuse-Houston winner, don't they? No, no, they had the winner of Villanova-Baylor. Oh, well, I thought they – I'm looking at this other the region right here. It says Syracuse-Houston. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Oh, you're my bad. My bad. It's my bad. Yeah, folks, even I make mistakes. I'm looking at something different. They're not beating Baylor. Else. Come they're on, They're not beating Baylor. No, I'm sorry. They're not beating Baylor. Okay. All right. Glad we, we got that cleared. We're glad we, we fixed you up there. Um, Syracuse-Houston. This one to me is very interesting. Uh, Buddy Bayheim starting to annoy me a bit. Kind of got Grayson Allen vibes. Um, you know, I, I the whole coach's son thing. I don't like Bayheim to begin with. Um, I didn't need his son to be, you know, part of the equation too. Here's the other thing too. Bayheim's like in his seventies. He's got like an eighteen-year-old kid. What the hell? Like you should be having I mean, grandkids, Jim. You know, like what, what are you doing? He's be close to great grandkids, right? Like what were you doing, Jim? Um, but nonetheless, Buddy's a, a hell of a player. Um, Change his name instead of B O E, it's B A E Bay Bayheim. Former Jayhawk Quentin Grimes leading the way. Uh, he's been shooting lights out. Uh, Houston had a close game there with Rutgers um, that they pulled it out late. Uh, this to me is tough. Syracuse at 2-3 zone. What did we talk about, Tom? We said Syracuse didn't deserve to be in the tournament, but their 2-3 zone was going to give people problems. That's exactly what happened. Um, Kelvin Sampson a week to prepare for the 2-3. Um, I don't feel confident, but I lean towards Houston. But I don't feel confident at all saying that, Tom. Not, you know, neither do I. After after what kind of show Syracuse has put it on, I uh, – wouldn't doubt if they went ahead and uh, got this one as well. I mean, I'll, I'll even take Syracuse. Houston, I mean, I think that, you know, and, and I don't want to bitch too much, okay? We talked about this before. We also talked about how we're just happy to be here. And this is a little skew in the lines of happy to be here. 
But there was a lot of teams that were overseeded and a lot of teams that were underseeded. And uh, one of them that's overseeded is Houston. Um, and we, I mean, I guess it goes both ways because we said Syracuse shouldn't even been there. But they are, and they've kind of proved themselves just a little bit. And so I'm here to say I'll take Syracuse and roll with it. All right. So you're riding Syracuse. Bo, I said last week that preparing for that 2-3 of Syracuse, in football terms, that's like trying to prepare for the triple option. Um, give Kelvin Sampson a week against Sy- to get ready for Syracuse in this 2-3. What are you thinking there? Zones for cowards. So <laughs> um, basketball is for cowards. Uh, give me Houston. That's, I'm not a I'm not a big Bayheim guy anyway. Um, all the stuff you said about his kiddo, I'm kind of in the same boat. I just you know we got we got. Bo like, here's not having kids in his seventies. No, oh hell no! I'm not gonna have any more. I'm done. I'm only 45. Um, uh, no, I just you know. I just I'm not riding with Syracuse. No, I'm not going to rock with Syracuse. Uh, they're going to play their little cowardly zone, and Houston will run the ball through it, and uh, they'll take care of it. <laughs> okay. Kelvin, oh, plus you know that's the great the, the it was a great hire Houston getting Kelvin Sampson. Oh that yeah, guy's, that guy's a hell of a coach. Kelvin Sampson's a hell of a coach. I mean, if he didn't get two schools on probation, he'd be a Hall of Famer right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's all. That's all. That's but, the only get, thing. And, yeah. and you know what? But that's just that's just part of doing business in college basketball. I mean, everybody gets in trouble. I mean, you know, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. And that's truest in college basketball. <laughs> the Sunday games. Uh, it all starts at uh, 110 with Creighton and Gonzaga. Do, do I have to root for, for Creighton now? I mean, like – You live in Omaha, yeah. I live in Omaha. Kansas is out. Um, I, I don't the like – It's only big enough for one Catholic school, Okay. I don't like, though, coaches that make segregation comparisons. Like, I can't vibe with that. I'm not um, familiar. You're going to explain that a little bit. I don't know that reference. Oh, that was uh, Greg McDermott, the uh, Creighton coach, just spent it a couple weeks ago for uh, making a segregation analogy. Uh, oh, geez. Yeah, so. Uh, okay. So, yeah. That, well, I'll chuck that up in my column for another reason I won't be going for them. Um, Creighton's been a hot mess, uh, you know, throughout much of the year and going through the stuff they've been through, you know, with McDermott getting suspended and then, you know, they get blown out in the Big East Championship there uh, against uh, Georgetown. Then uh, they somehow survive out of the weekend looking pretty good last week. Um, This to me, Tom, actually reminds me of Gonzaga's matchup with Oklahoma just on Monday that Creighton is a decent team. They got some talent. Um, but Gonzaga is, I think they're going to run another team out of the building where they say, fine, you want to try to outscore us? Good luck. You can't do it. Gonzaga's too much for Creighton. Sorry. Uh, sorry, Blue Jays. Yeah, I've already picked two upsets. I won't pick another one. Not not against Gonzaga. <laughs> You're riding Gonzaga too? Oh, long. I'm riding Gonzaga all the way to the championship. I, they're the best team, and they're the team I think is going to win it all. Um, I'm, not I'm not getting off that horse now. Michigan and Florida. That game starting at 4 o'clock on Sunday. Um, Michigan, everybody believed, was the most vulnerable one seed of the four. And they looked okay. They looked just fine in their two wins. Uh, their uh, eight-point win against LSU and then a, a dominating win against Texas Southern before that. Florida State, uh, you got a 10-point win the first round and looked really good against Colorado. Florida State's been inconsistent for much of the year. Um 
the luck's got to run out for Michigan at some point, Tom. I've, I've, I didn't think Michigan was a Final Four team. I still don't think so. Um, and it's not necessarily that I like what Florida State's doing so much either, but um, I think they're just a little bit better than Michigan is right now. I lean towards Florida State, but I don't say that with confidence. I don't think either team is, uh, is playing their best basketball this time of year, which sounds kind of odd to say in March. Yeah, it does sound odd to say, but, you know, Florida State, I thought, looked pretty good against Colorado. And, and Michigan, I thought, was the most vulnerable one seed by far. Um, in one bracket, I even losing to LSU, and they, you know, spooked me just a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I could see this game going either way. Um, this is going to be a game to watch, not for the talent level or just the quality of ball played, but just for the fact that it's guaranteed to be a close game, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, how about uh, the uh, UCLA-Alabama game? Alabama, hell of a three-point shooting team. Um, Nate Oates, my cousin Vinny, has done a great job with that program uh, there in, in uh, what is it, his second year? I mean, they, they've been great this year. I got out, I picked Alabama to go to the Final Four for the tournament. UCLA, uh, remember, they played an extra game compared to everybody. They won their first four game against Michigan State. Um, UCLA, Mick Cronin's doing a solid job. This is only a year, what, two? They're in the Sweet 16. Um, but the talent level's just not there. Alabama's a better team. I think this is a game, too, where even if Alabama has an off-night three-point shooting, they can still find another way to win, keep it close. I like uh, I like Alabama here. Bo, you're, you're an SEC guy. You're riding with the tide. That's not, they can't be good football and basketball. That's okay, not fair. so obviously Nick Saban's really good at his job because now the boosters can give money to the basketball team. And so they're, they're, they're getting their players that way, obviously. Um, so no, I like Bama. Uh, they're, they're athletic. Uh, UCLA, just again, just not quite the athletes. Uh, I like Bama in this game. I like them pretty big. Um, they just did a hell of a job the last couple of years since Avery Johnson left and then the, the new coach comes in. But they don't, it's my cousin Vinny. Yeah, and they're going to, they're, they're cheating. I mean, we know they're cheating. You know, they just somehow they're letting Saban not use all the money now. <laughs> and they let them use a little bit for basketball, which is good for them. You know, they want to be they like, still want a football national title. Yeah. You know, they, 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 that's efficient use of the money during the COVID time. That's good. Yeah. They, I wonder if they got a PPP loan for that. It <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't surprise me. Would that not be the biggest scandal in the world? <laughs> yeah, a PPP loan to pay players. <laughs> Oh man! What well, that, that's would it, be Alabama? it, it would be Alabama to do it. Where, there, as the SEC where there's guy, a will, there's a way. Yeah, yeah. Now we're going to talk about my guy. Uh, so, as the resident SEC guy, I'll tell you that's some SEC shit right there. The PPP loan to uh, to pay to pay your players. I like that. I mean, technically, it's not against the rules. I mean, they're the darkest timeline. They're 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 employees, right? Um, and then the last game of the uh, round of sixteen. The uh, the Bill Walton Bowl, Oregon taking on USC. I've heard rumors, by the way, that uh, the Bill Walton will be involved in the CBS Turner broadcast of this game and potentially some of the other Pac-12 games. Um, look, isn't Bill Walton a UCLA guy? He is. Yes. This is USC. Well, but he's just such. He picked 
five Pac-12 teams go to the Final Four. Oh, did he? Really? Yeah. Okay, that's so, that sounds like Bill Wall. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually paying off for him pretty right good. Right now, he looks better. His bracket looks better than most people right now. He looks like Notre Dame right now. <laughs> right? Maybe he knows something we don't. Um, but Oregon looked great. You know, taking apart an unathletic Iowa team, exposing them. USC clearly exposed Kansas. Uh, both these teams are hot. I liked what they had, but the Mobley's. Um, I'm still having nightmares about those two, Tom. Uh, I'll lean towards USC, but this one could go either way, I think, between USC and Oregon here. Yeah, I think so. I like this matchup as well. I mean, Oregon, good Lord. I mean, granted, they didn't have to play the first game, but, I mean, I was not expecting them to, to run Iowa out of the building. I, didn't, I wasn't, didn't, wasn't too high hopeful necessarily for Iowa, but I was not expecting Oregon to do all that. So um, credit to them. I think they could pull this off, but I mean, arguably USC even looked better. So um, this would be a hell of a game. We're waiting towards bowl. All right. So I'm taking USC, but I got to tell you a quick story. So I'm a USC fan and, and I'm a fan because I've got a, a friend, a close friend who passed a number of years ago as a USC guy and, um, kind of for him, I always put, equate him with USC. But on Tuesday, I, I participate in a Zoom call every week for my BNI group. It's a networking group. And it's all people from here in Lawrence. And so every week, you do a little 30-second talk about who, what you're wanting as a business person. So I waited a couple seconds, and it was my turn to go. And I hit the unmute button, and I hit the play. Right before I hit the unmute, I hit the play on my phone and started the USC fight song chant. And it was, and I started doing the the, the, the the two fingers, and I had my USC hat on and my pullover my friend Chris gave me, and then I said, oh, oh excuse me, everybody, let me fight, let me pause that, and pause the USC just to troll the KU fans a little bit, remind them who they are, you know, they're just not quite as good as USC. Um, no, I like USC though. I like the, I like to, I like them here. I think it's gonna be a really good game. Um, I'm shocked that that Oregon ran Iowa as hard as they did. Um, I'm no Iowa fan by any means, um, but I really thought Iowa was going to do a lot better in this tournament, and Oregon just smoked them. So I got some fear there, but USC came and just rolled KU. Yeah. I mean, just straight rolled them. And so I think if I was going to make the pick here, I'm going to go with USC. I think that's just what we saw from them on on Monday night. They, they were pretty incredible. I like uh, – I like- Coach Andy Enfield's wife, uh, the former uh, Maxim model. Uh, that's a that's a plus too. It gives the players a little extra motivation. So, um, so my new Final Four. Uh, I'm only making one adjustment from last week since Illinois is out. I'll replace them with Loyola, but I'll still go with Baylor, Loyola, Gonzaga, and Alabama as my new Final Four. My updated of the weekend Final Four. Tom, what is your updated Final Four now? Oh, that's – so Baylor, obviously, Gonzaga. Those are the two I had originally in the championship anyway. Um, yeah, and then from there, I mean, I'm trying to think of the bracket-wise. Let me run through this real quick. Okay, Who would- one read you can go Loyola, Oregon State, Syracuse, or Houston in one region. Yeah. You know what, give me Loyola then. I mean, okay. I, I'm rooting for them. If Baylor doesn't fulfill my bracket, uh, it's got to be Loyola. I want okay. that old lady. To and then you can go. You can go Alabama, UCLA, Michigan, or Florida State. In the other, 
You know, I got to go Bama. They're cheating. They got to make it. Okay. So you're going to, we're going to agree on the same new Final Four. What's your new Final Four? Well, I have three left for my original pick. So I had taken Gonzaga, I had taken Michigan, and I had taken um, uh, Baylor. So the only one that's different for me right now is that's, I got to look at this, make sure I'm right. Um, Okay. So that's the South, no, that's the Midwest region. Yeah. Midwest region, my team is out. So um, I like Houston. Is the fourth one. I do. I, I'm kind of picking a lot of chalk here, and I know that, but um, I just think the better teams are going to win now. And I, I think these 12s and these 11s and these 15s just don't have a lot of a chance here. And I think that actually helps these higher one and two seeds that they're playing some of these bad teams. And so I, that's where I that's where I'm leaning toward. I'm leaning toward you know staying with Baylor, staying with Gonzaga, staying with Michigan, and. Uh, and I'll, I'll move on from that one. I'll take the okay. I'll take Houston. Okay. All right. So that's our updated Final Four. We're going to talk more hoops with Caden uh, McFarland coming up in just a moment. Also, later on, we got Coach Bo's football fix presented by O'Connor Advisor Group. We're going to talk a little NBA later in the show. And then we also have our Tom Fullery story of the week as well. All that and more as we roll along from the Coach Bo Man Cave here on the Jones Report. Caden McFarland joins us next. <laughs> Joining us this week on the Jones Report, it is our buddy Caden McFarland from KJRH in Tulsa, the NBC affiliate. Caden, always appreciate the time, man. I didn't expect to be talking to you in these circumstances, though, of ORU in the Sweet 16. What what universe? How? I, I don't understand. I, I love it, though. It's an emergency podcast. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't expect yeah. this either, if, if we're being honest. I, I told you just before we started recording, uh, you know, I'm tired. Uh, it's been a lot of work and it's unexpected work. Um, you know, it, but when you see them play, when you see ORU on the floor with Ohio State or Florida, it doesn't feel like an upset in that way. We know it is because we know it's Oral Roberts. We know the level of guy they recruit versus, you know, an Ohio State or a Florida uh, or an Arkansas. But when you see them on the floor, when you see Max Aismas and Kevin O'Banner do their thing and Paul Mills as a coach, I mean, Really, really clever fella. Uh, we can get into all that a little bit later. I know you're just starting the thing, but um, they feel like they belong, which is really an incredible testament to what he's done in four years at 81st and Lewis. Have you talked to Big Al about this? What's he been saying? Well, I think he's fired up. He was at one time the uh, the play-by-play voice of the Golden Eagles, and uh, of course a huge TU fan, and he was pretty sore. And you know what? I think all of us were, and more than we should have been. Um, when Scott Sutton was let go and the way he was, and we knew a little bit about how that all went down. And, you know, I guess the, the bottom line is there's just never a good way to say goodbye. Right. And that sort of situation. And uh, I think it's turned out for the best for him. He's in Stillwater, uh, you know, with Mike Boynton. And I think the future is so bright for the Cowboys. Uh, and he's the, still the winningest coach ORU's ever had. So he did a fantastic job, three straight NCAA tournaments. It's got to end at some point. And without question, Paul Mills brought some new ideas and a breath of fresh air and a different approach. And, um, you know, it's funny to me that when I got to this state back in late 2007, there was a media contingency that, that thought Scott Drew was about the dumbest guy to ever take 
a division one coaching job, you know, and I don't know if that was because Kelvin Sampson poisoned the water some and he didn't like him or, but at the start of that thing for him, people here were convinced that he couldn't coach a lick. And it's pretty obvious now Scott drew can coach. And I, you know, it, it, a lot of guys off the Homer drew coaching tree are putting a number of their principles into practice in a really good way, you know? And, and so Paul Mills is one of them. I know the coach at North Texas also was on that Baylor staff. Uh, it's, it's been pretty impressive to watch. You know, he's, he, he recruits foreign guys and kids from Texas. He's a Houston native is Paul Mills and coached at Baylor for all those years. That's become their backyard and it, it works for them. Uh, they've got guys that play a lot. You know, there's a lot of NBA concepts I think uh with what they do uh the way they're able to high pick and roll middle pick and roll especially with Ace Mitchell Banner but some of those other guys who could shoot as well but when you can put five shooters on the floor you're dangerous for anybody and everybody it, it still just amazes me that they were able to go uh take down Ohio State because that I, that was a really fine team I know the Big yes. Ten reputation has been sullied in this tournament but Ohio State was really really good with some NBA guys and and just big time size, strength, athleticism, but shooting can defeat all of that. And ORU can shoot. Yeah, they certainly can. And Caden, this ORU program, we know this university has been through a lot as a whole within yeah. the last few years. For the folks that don't know, kind of give perspective of just how monumental this is, just the path for ORU to even get to this point. Um yeah. You know, what was it? First time since 74, since they even won a tournament game and the levels of difficulty it is to win there and the lack of funding and resources. I mean, um, this is something that they're going to be writing books and movies and all sorts of stuff about no matter what happens on Saturday. Yeah. You know, uh, obviously they had a heyday, right? In the 70s, the name Oral Roberts was known by people far and wide and you know, in part because of that, they were able to recruit a team that made it to the Elite Eight and went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Kansas, lost in overtime. I mean, they were that close to right. making the Final Four back in 1974. Um, but, you know, things changed, obviously, and, and for the most part, uh, really struggled through the 90s and early 2000s. And Scott Sutton did a great job. Uh, Bill Self, I guess, started it, and then Scott Sutton did a fantastic job of uh, stabilizing that program and making them a force in whatever conference they were in. It's been the summit most recently, but other conferences before. Uh, but it has been, it had been the better part of a decade where it was ugly for the basketball program. And then obviously when they, the, the university had, had a ton of debt, sub, several hundred million dollars. Well, no, it may not be that much. Don't quote me on that. Maybe seven or $80 million is what it took uh, for Mark Green, the, the Hobby Lobby guy to bail them out. And so, you know, I think, I think that hurt, obviously. Um, and, and they just tend to be, you grew up here, so you know, it's easy for them to become an afterthought. When they're going gangbusters, that's one thing. And when I first got here back in 08, the Maybe Center was a great place to bring your kids for a ball game. They did a great job with entertainment in between, you know, in timeouts and at halftime and that sort of thing. It was, it, it was a mostly full rocking place with good basketball teams that were, you know, that was based on defense back then. But when it goes dry, I mean, it went really dry. And there were certainly nights I was there where you could count on just your fingers and maybe toes, the number of students that were in attendance. You know, and so, I mean, that's pretty low. That's about as low as it gets. I couldn't speak to the health of the university beyond that. I just know that for the last seven or eight years, the end of the Scott Sutton era and certainly the start of Paul Mills, 
it was rough and it was hard to imagine that this guy was working a magic act there. Um, and I, it was right under my nose. I think it was under the nose of a lot of other people. And we, uh, you know, we were a little bit slow to see what ORU had hired in Paul Mills. Um, he's, he's pretty impressive for a lot of different reasons. You know, I just found out today uh, while coaching this team, and by all accounts, outworking the competition. I mean, he says he embraces the idea that he's got the little man syndrome. And he says, I will outwork you. That's that's how he goes about beating the teams in the Summit League and, and his peers, if you will. That's how he made his bones as a Baylor assistant. He outworks you. Well, while he was outworking people as a basketball coach at ORU, he was also getting a, a seminary degree from, I believe, Dallas Theological Seminary. Oh. David Klingler who was before your time, but maybe you know the name because he led college football in passing the year after Andre Ware did and won the Heisman. And Klingler, I think, was probably top five in Heisman voting that year, was his professor and mentor. And I believe he's just finished up this degree. And uh, the Gospel Coalition wrote an article today. And to read just how deeply he thought about all that, why he did it, he did it for his players. He says they come to you not asking about, how do I improve my free throw percentage or this or that? They come to you with personal questions. I wanted to be able to go deep with them. He's a pretty impressive guy. I mean, it's just, and there's, you know, in his press conferences, he can come off a little bit stiff may not be the right word, but very on script. Um, but there's a whole lot more to him than just that. Uh, he's, 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 he's a huge Houston Astros fan, uh, by the way. But I mean, he is, uh, the story came out this week in a Jeff Goodman podcast that when he got his first company car, when he became a full-time assistant at Baylor, what he did with the car that he already had was he went and found a woman that he had seen walking to work daily on his route to work and gave it to her. So we're talking about a guy of real substance, you know what I mean? And a really, really great story. I wouldn't be surprised to see him stick around ORU for at least another year. I think because of COVID, not a ton of Jobs are going to open up. And in theory, this entire team could come back next year. Everybody's an underclassman. Uh, everybody who plays, at least they're top eight players. So I, but beyond that, you and I both know, I mean, how hard is it going to be to keep this guy, a guy who um, is as much of a good person uh, as all of those stories I just, you know, um, gave you indicate, uh, but then also such a great coach. I, I, I'm sure you caught this in the game against Florida. They're making a push. They're down by one. There's about three minutes left. And they meet, immediately foul a Florida player to put him at the line in a one-in-one -one situation. And he says that was, I believe, a student assistant, a grad assistant of his, who knew that that player, one, was only six of 12 for the entire year from the free throw line. So had barely been there in this situation, doesn't shoot them well, or at least, you know, with that small sample size. And he also knew what play they were running and knew that he was going to touch the ball top of the key in the situation where you could foul and this was only going to be their seventh foul. So that'd be the one and one. You don't see guys do that. I mean, that is some incredibly quick thinking and listening to the guys on your bench. I think he's just an incredibly sharp coach, like sharper than we usually deal with is what I'm trying to explain. Um, so, you know, I, there, because he's been at Baylor and now ORU, I think there are certain places that fit him better than others, but surely he will be, a hot commodity and in demand uh, after this run. And they're not done. Look, they were up by 10 on Arkansas at halftime when they played back in December and they're playing a whole lot better now than they were then. 
I mean, who's to say that this thing doesn't extend to at least the Elite Eight? Right? Man, that's, uh, that's wild to think about. And even this year, this team finished, what, fourth in the Summit League in the regular yeah. season? Um, attendance was, wasn't that great. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like anybody knew that no. the ORU team was even capable of this. I mean, we, we were thinking what, that they were going to get maybe to the semifinals of the Summit League tournament. I mean, this was just out of nowhere what's unfolded here within the last two weeks. The, the only thing was the fact that Max Aismas was the nation's leading scorer, but everything else was just so out of left field. They, beat everybody in the summit league at least once. And, and that mattered. I thought going into the conference tournament, but I'll be honest. And this goes back to Scott Sutton. It had been a long time since they had played well in the summit league tournament. And since they moved that thing to the Dakotas, you know, and, and played it in Sioux Falls just about every year for whatever reason, I saw really good Scott Sutton teams, maybe one that won 27 games one year go up there and lose, I think, if not in the first round, then the second round. It had just been so long since I had seen them go up there playing their best ball. When they did that, that alerted me to the fact that something different was happening here. Now, when they got a 15 seed, I certainly didn't feel like they were going to beat Ohio State, but I thought that they could scare Ohio State because of their ability to shoot their ability to run the pick and roll, the fact that Max Aismas is ball dominant, and you're going to have to deal with this. You know, the nation's leading scorer, having the ball in his hand, making good decisions, not just a guy who can shoot the three, and his his mid-range game is really pretty good, at least with floaters and things like that, and get to the rim. But as a passer, really, really good as a college basketball point guard. Uh, I knew that Ohio State was probably in a bit of trouble but I thought it was trouble, you know, like, hey, there are seven minutes left and we haven't been able to shake these guys yet. I didn't think there was any way they could deal with Ohio State's physicality. Um, and to watch them get in there and one, mentally be prepared from, from the jump. They scored the first seven points in that Ohio State game. Be ready to take this thing and then be able to withstand. You know, Ohio State had the lead, took the lead in, in relatively short order there in the first half. Be able to withstand all of that and deal with the beating that you take from a team that physical and just keep coming and find a way to win. I, 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 I didn't see that coming. There's, well, there's no doubt that this is a surprise. It's a, it's as much a surprise for people here in Tulsa as I think it is everybody else. Well, then on top of that too, you go to the Florida game. They were down the entire game. I yeah. mean, it looks like oh, it. it was a good run. Or you, you know, I, I was at a point too, where like. All right, I'm going to check in on Texas Tech, Arkansas. We'll, we'll, we'll get yeah. back to this later. I mean, it didn't even look like a game for you know about 30 minutes of the, the first 30 minutes of that game, and then they found their rhythm. They they found a way to work through that. I mean, the the two games, the Ohio State and the Florida game, were complete opposite performances of how they pulled those off. That's true, and you know there is if if you're that big an underdog, if you're that undermanned there's a script you got to follow. You, you can't get down huge, right? I mean, against Ohio State or Florida, yeah, I mean, even though I, I think, what, the league got to 11 with the Gators, it never felt way out of reach. Man, if you're down 15 to three right off the bat, 15 seeds don't come back. Like, that That won't happen. Uh, so they've been able to, to follow that script. It, I mean, how it first, I mean, obviously, when we're talking about a 15 seed, this has only happened twice. 
But let's just say for double-digit seeds from mid-major conferences, narrow the pool to that of all the NCAA tournament games that have ever been played. To steal one at the end, the way they did against Florida, you just, you hardly see it. You rarely see it. It just took a ton of poise and resilience. And, you know, and I guess this is sort of, you know, when you say poise, this is what you mean. But they all collectively understood, okay, this is our moment. This is when we have to pounce. This is when we have to take it to Florida. And I thought that foul with three minutes left was another, it was a great sign that these guys are in it and not just the players on the floor, but the bench as well. They know exactly what needs to be done to pull this thing off and they're going for it. And uh, I, I just, I couldn't be more impressed with the job they've done in, ev- in every way, shape or form. And I re- I do not think they're going to the final four. I, I mean, come on. Breaking. But they could, they could beat Arkansas. I, I, I re- you know, I, now they're, they're going to need, something that they haven't been able to get in the first two games. And that is shooting from guys other than Ace, Miss, and O'Banner. Uh, you, you know, you, you know that to beat Arkansas, Ace, Miss, and O'Banner have to be really good. I think Ace Miss only scored 11 points in the first matchup in December. You know, they've got to be really good and give you 25 to 30. But I think other guys, uh, Weaver and Jurgens and Laxis, those guys are going to have to make shots, especially three-point shots. Uh, but if they do... I think Arkansas is going to come down the stretch uh, in a pretty precarious situation. I mean, if this is a game with five, six, seven minutes left, we've seen ORU close now. Uh, We've seen them in overtime take it to Ohio State and steal one from Florida. You're worried about those guys and their shot-making ability and Max Aismas having the ball in his hands every single time down the floor. You're worried about that if you're Arkansas. Last thing on ORU, and then we'll move on. i got a few more things I want to get to before we uh, get out of here, Caden. Um, when you look at this situation, they're still in Indianapolis. Everybody else is. Things, I imagine, where you're at there in Tulsa are crazy for ORU right now. We saw the pictures out of the Maybe Center and everything. You know, typically we, we see, you know, each year these runs from these Cinderella teams or whatever you want to call them uh, from that first weekend. They come home and – get that hero-like treatment, then get humbled when they come back for the uh, second weekend. Now they stay up there, yeah. completely focused on basketball here. What, what do you think about Paul Mills and this team's mindset of not really being in the situation of feeling where, where all the craziness of that is Tulsa and the ORU campus right now at 81st and Lewis? Do, do you think that's going to play anything to their advantage whatsoever? I, we talked to Paul Mills just a little bit ago and it was difficult to get in on that press conference because you had the New York post and Pat 40 and all those guys now, now jumping in. I'm glad that I didn't actually get to ask a question and ask one, not as good as what you just posed because I would be kicking myself. If, if you follow my trip, I, that is a great question. And I think he would have a great answer for that. This is a blessing without question that they stay there in Indianapolis. He says, I don't know how much he can actually do this with guys basically being isolated in their rooms. I don't know that you can actually keep them off of social media. But he says he strongly encourages his guys, talk to your parents, talk to your family, talk to your girlfriend, and then put the phone away. I don't know how many times I've heard him say that in the last few weeks. I think he is a huge fan of this situation and the fact that they did not come back to the campus as conquering heroes and get all of those slaps on the back in class and in chapel and everywhere else. 
I think he's pretty fired up that they are stuck in their hotel rooms and then playing ball and going to eat. And that's about it. Because what you hit on is, I think, probably a very real thing for Cinderella's in this tournament through the years. When you begin to hear it, it can be maybe easier to be a little bit complacent. Um, so I, I like where your head's at. I think Paul Mills probably uh, does, too, and agrees with that. I, I think it's a great question. If we get a chance to talk to him in the next couple of days, I, I am definitely stealing that question, Tyler. Okay. That's a good you, you can tell him uh, Tyler Jones wants to know. You know, uh, I, I got a question from my friend Tyler um, that, that we need to know, Coach. Um, you bet. Yeah. <laughs> um, with that being said, you know, if they get past Arkansas, we're looking at them potentially playing Baylor. Baylor's the lone Big 12 team left. Ken, you and I, you know, been covering this Big 12 conference for a long time. What on earth happened to the Big 12? I mean, and you could say the same thing for the Big 10, too. This seemed to be the year. Seven teams in the tournament, all eight seeds or higher. And, you know, we saw great basketball all year long. All these teams seemed to have their moment at one point this year. And then nobody except Baylor showed up. What happened to the Big 12? Well, uh, I would say that um, I overvalued it for sure. Um, to, to what extent, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. A lot of it is matchups. You know, I think Oklahoma State, um, that was a bad matchup for them, the way Oregon State was able to pack the paint. And Oklahoma State was the kind of team that they were not a great three-point shooting team, period. And so maybe that just speaks to the fact that these teams aren't, aren't as good um, as, they, uh, as, as we thought they were. And, uh, you know, obviously, as you mentioned, the Big Ten's right there with them. Um, I, I, I said for years and years that the Big 12 is really a big one that being Kansas. And then, you know, everybody else is nice. It's a deep conference. It's not a conference where I generally think there are a whole bunch of teams that can win a championship out of this league. I, I've never thought that about the league. This maybe was the one year I, I thought Texas looked like a team that could go to the final four for sure. I thought they had that kind of length and athleticism. I didn't think Oklahoma state would once I saw their draw, but I thought if they got the right draw, maybe uh, never, was that high on West Virginia and, you know, I remain high on Baylor, but look, we'll see. Um, I, I don't know what to say other than I, I was wrong. You know, we'll, we'll see when guys go on to the NBA, how many guys get drafted, what kind of career do they have? You know what I mean? Sometimes like Kevin Durant only played two games in the NCAA tournament. You know, that Texas team was, it, it, there are, there are explanations beyond, oh, just the league was a fraud. And, you know, I, I, I think that's the – with Texas, I don't know what to make of, of Shaka Smart's lack of success in the tournament at Texas. And especially coming off a Big 12 tournament championship, they looked as good as anybody in the country. You know, size, athleticism, and all that. Um, but I, it, my point, it always takes me a long time to get there, is that with Kansas's, I would say, bleak future – this was the worst time for this league to lay an egg the way it did, because it's going to be so hard to get that credibility back, you know, and if Kansas is not legit, who in this league can you count on? Now maybe Baylor's going to go win a national title, right? And most of this will be forgotten. I mean, that will have been the crowning achievement for this league since Mario Chalmers hit his shot uh, way back in 08. So Baylor can still save, save the league's reputation to some extent, but if they don't, if they don't make the final four uh, or if they get hammered in the final four, um, you know, I, I will, it will take that much longer for me to actually buy into this league going forward as, 
great as the coaches are, and we know the coaches in this league are great, the size and athleticism is not on par generally with the ACC, the league that wins the most championships, and even the SEC, uh, where you know they don't bring home titles, but there are athletes. Um, I thought the Big Big Twelve had those athletes this year, um, and now it gives me pause. It makes me wonder what I was looking at, what I was seeing. Uh, and I'll look that much closer next time. Let's put it that way. So I, see, I hear you say you like Baylor and what they bring to the table. Um, how do you feel as far as the rest of the bracket goes? Do you think this shapes out to be what it looked like all year of Gonzaga and Baylor in the final? What, what do you look at of those remaining 16 teams? What do you like? Yeah, for most of the year, I thought Gonzaga, Baylor, and then Baylor had its three-week layoff and I wasn't sure what to make of things. People really jumped on the Illinois bandwagon in recent weeks and I hadn't seen enough of them to do that, but yeah, sure. It sounds good to me. You know, I mean, and going into the league, into the tournament, I thought the big 10 was, was the best conference there was, you know, having watched Gonzaga for 40 minutes against Oklahoma, I do think it's, it's those guys. And then to some extent, everybody else, uh, your point, I think, you know, there are a lot of Cinderella's still around double-digit seeds, whether, you know, I mean, something like a UCLA, I mean, what kind of Cinderella are they really? But, um, yeah, you know, are, are one of these teams going to crash the party? I would still stick with, generally speaking, those guys at the very top. I You know, I, I think we'll see Baylor and Gonzaga um, probably at the end, in, in all likelihood. Um, it, it's hard for me to bet against those guys at this point, but it has been such a crazy tournament. It does give me some pause for sure. Of the, uh, of the underdogs of sorts, who, who do you like of those guys to potentially shake things up and get a couple wins this weekend? Who's got the best shot you think of the underdogs to, to reach that final four? Well, that's a great question. Um, remind me of some of the, who does UCLA have? Uh, in their way over the net if they were to win two. Um, I like what I've seen from them, but that's more of, you know, I've liked stylistically the way they've played. I, you know, I, I don't see it from Oregon State. I, I think that that can be solved, especially with a week to prepare. I don't think as much as I love the Oral Roberts story uh, and as much as I think they could get through Arkansas, I, I don't see them winning two. You know, I guess top of head, I love the way Loyola Chicago plays right? and, and because they've already knocked out the one seed because um, you know, I love, they just get after you defensively in a way that maybe nobody else that I saw play in the first four days of the tournament does. Um, They're probably clearly, that's not a double digit seed, but of of the Cinderella's, if you will, um, I seems like they've got to have the best shot. You say, who is it UCLA has in their way? UCLA has Alabama. And then if they yeah. get past Alabama, it'd be the winner of Florida State, Michigan. Well, they it, no, I mean, that that's a possibility too. I mean, I, I like Loyola Chicago better, um, but UCLA is interesting to me. Um, it, now, what do you think of Alabama? Because, you know, watching Oklahoma beat them, late January, early February, whenever that was. I don't want to say I marked them off, but I just thought, okay, I think I'm a little bit lower on these guys than most of the people across the country. So I did the but same. But I, I, I do love the approach. I, you know, I, I, love, I love the threes and the layups only. I mean, it, I, I think that they play an interesting brand of ball that we have not seen at this level very much in college hoops. And it, it, maybe they are a step ahead of everybody else. 
but like I say, it's, it's hard sometimes to shake that perception when you've seen somebody give a performance. It's just kind of, eh, um, you know, early in the year. So I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would pick them to beat UCLA, but I, I mean, I guess I wouldn't be a bit surprised if that goes the other way. Yeah, I mean, I like Alabama and all that group, but what what I learned from from Alabama was, and and I think they're a good case study for college basketball this year, and that you know we we tend to overvalue, I think, what happened in the non conference, right? Especially yeah. in the COVID year, and there wasn't actually that many non conference games even, and you know that I think gave us this perception of the Big Twelve and the Big Ten being so good based on what they were doing in November and December. And Alabama lays an egg against Oklahoma, does nothing impressive. But then you see, since then, Oklahoma fell apart and Alabama yeah. took things up another notch, winning the yeah. SEC conference and the SEC tournament. I mean, that team found themselves later on. And, and, and that's what happens in this thing, Caden. I mean, we, we see teams that are still finding themselves. Uh, on any given Tuesday or Saturday, that's just a snapshot. Yeah. And you're right. These teams change. These teams change. And, you know, you got to watch a lot of ball to monitor all of those trends. And sometimes a team like Illinois is coming and it all looks good. And then the matchup's just all wrong or you just have a, you know, a bad night shooting at the wrong time. And I, I, that goes back to with the Big 12. Some of the teams I think were a little bit fraudulent. Some teams just had a bad matchup and a bad day. And it's not good for your league when six of the seven fall into that category. Um, oh, yeah. But okay. it happens. Take example. Let's say Loyola Chicago, Caden. Here's a team that, you know, is – I think they're going to find a way into the Final Four. With I like how it shapes out in their bracket, right? But if you put Loyola Chicago in the Big Ten, and if they would have had to play the schedule Illinois did, and they were come in beaten up and banged up like Illinois was – Illinois, you know, Chicago probably would have finished at best fifth in the Big Ten at best. And, you know, maybe they don't even get out of the first round at that point here. I mean, this tournament, in a sense, can pay, can can help out the, the little guy almost in, in the sense of not having to do what we saw from these Big Ten and Big 12 teams. Sure. Good point. So, anyways – uh, Caden, so so who do you like to get out this weekend? Who's who? Who do you have uh, being your final four teams? Of who's left? Well, it, I think you know I'll stick with uh, Alabama's interesting to me. I mean, I I definitely have Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, Alabama. You know, I will go Alabama. Just okay. I, you know, I and again, I could see anything happening uh, with that set of teams. And, you know, I'll go uh, Loyola Chicago just because that's fun. Okay. So we share the same Final Four picks in, our, in our new Final Four. I like it. In our – yeah, very new Final Four. <laughs> Absolutely. Caden, uh, tell us about this uh, this road trip to Indianapolis. Uh, you got like a whole oh, yeah. and everything? Like what's going on here? And I, I do need to head on set in just a couple of minutes. But, yes, we will be leaving tomorrow in a sprinter van uh sponsored by the good folks at bob hurley rv so we're fired up. i'm gonna have some room to stretch out uh it's me and johnny trucker johnny thomason who's worked here at channel two for 40 years and uh yeah we're gonna head up uh what is that 10 and a half hours we'll be doing reports from the road talking to some more you people we've coordinated that we'll be talking to fans that are making their way up as well uh we'll end up in indianapolis uh live for the 10 o'clock show tomorrow so 
Um, I love it. You know, I actually, I, I would prefer to drive as opposed to flying. I don't like the airport. I don't like being congested in the thing. This is stretching it. This is the very edge of how much I can, you know, deal with in a day and still have a smile on my face. But yeah, let's go, baby. Nine and a half hours to Indy. ORU uh, might just keep us there another week. Wait, wouldn't that be something? Uh, we'll be uh, kings of Indianapolis in that Mercedes Sprinter van. Can't wait, baby. Just Can't get, wait. Just get one win. I, I don't need you on the road on Sunday, you know, after that. That's fair. Just get one. And then we'll I'll, I'll, I'll bring home that one victory for you, Tyler. Please, please, Ken. Thank you for your Good time. Good to see you. Congrat hey, congrats on your new gig. I haven't talked to you on the podcast since then. Congrats. All the best. Way north. <laughs> it's the local. great white north. It's, it's as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, best of luck. Uh, have a fun trip, and I will be talking again soon. Thanks for joining us, Kate. Good talking to you, Tyler. Thank you. Big thanks, Kate McFarland, for joining us here at the Jones Report. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges, back here with you now. And Coach Bo is also back with us. It's time for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. Check out OAGKS.com, also O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com, or you can give Bo a call at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. And also you can reach him via email at brian.oconnor at lpl.com. That's brian.oconnor at lpl.com. Bo, thanks for rejoining us. What's going on at O'Connor Advisory Group this week? Hey, you know, it's an exciting week. We did something we haven't done in a while. We are I just signed the lease for our new office. Our new office will be opening uh, May the 3rd uh, over off 25th Street here in Lawrence. And uh, we look for you to come out and check us out. We'll be back to doing some in-person meetings. We won't be all Zoom. And so uh, we can get some stuff done. It'll be nice to be back into a, a real office. If you would have waited today, you could have told people it was May the 4th to be with you. I still might do that. <laughs> yeah. Bo's big grand opening uh, coming uh, May the 4th be with you. But certainly check that out, uh, ohks.com, o'connoradvisorygroup.com for uh, more information there. Bo, we're going to start with Sean Watson. Uh, Up to 24 accusers, over a dozen lawsuits at this point. This time last week, we were talking about, okay, there's a few cases here and there, but we don't really know a whole lot. Yeah, we still don't really know a whole lot either where this is going to go and where yeah. this is headed. But now, a week into this, with this growing number of lawsuits and cases by day, what is this this done to his trade value? Are we also now talking about potential even suspension for Deshaun Watson? What does it look like now for Deshaun? Well, first for Deshaun Watson, I think the trade thing is just dead for now. There's no way that anyone's going to take him before any kind of the, the, any of it's settled. I mean, whether it's in court, in the court public court of public opinion, whatever that might be. Um, you know, the when it was just one or two cases, you know, and then it, it was supposedly a shady lawyer, you know, from the first things we heard. It was like, well, okay, let's see. And I'm not usually a let's wait and see when it comes to that sort of uh, accusations because I usually like to sign with the, with the ladies on that. Right. That's kind of specialized in that kind of thing. But man, this one, this one scares me. And at this point, I don't think no matter what team you are, you can touch Deshaun Watson right now. Not right now. I mean, see what happens. Or you do want to see things play out. You know, I just hope that if if these are false accusations, I hope he's 
cleared of everything. If they're not, and it, I mean, it's pretty damning at this point when you see this many, this many uh, accusations, this many issues. I mean, it's almost like a Bill Cosby-ish. Cosby -ish. I was going to say Deshaun Cosby. Yeah. yeah we're, we're flirting with him. It's not looking good. No. And so, I mean, I, I've, I, if I'm any GM that had been thinking about Deshaun Watson, that's got to go away now. I mean, just no chance that you can make that deal right now. And um, if you're the if any team does, who's it going to be? Who I would I would ask the question based on who's the most desperate for a quarterback. To me, that's the Chicago Bears. Now I'm not saying that is the saying that the Chicago Bears would knowingly bring in, lack of a better term here, a sexual predator. Right. I don't think that's what they are as an organization. I don't. Think I, I'm saying if I'm saying what team is the most desperate for a quarterback. I think it's the Chicago Bears. So I'm painting that brush a little bit, but I'm trying to finally paint it and say I'm not trying to say anything bad with the organization. Would that not tank his trade value then? You, I mean, do you think teams could get done for a hell of a lot cheaper than previous? Yeah, I do think it's going to change the value of the trade. But at the same time, you can't knowingly right now make a trade, no matter what the trade is. I mean, it, I mean if you're the Texans, aren't you trying to get his ass out of there? Before it gets worse? Well, the, the Texans now, they, they weren't motivated to trade him in the first place. And right. it cost him so much money. The, if he's convicted of something here, then they get freed up salary cap wise. Oh, that's true. I didn't even think of that. <clears throat> I guess they wouldn't obviously pay him anymore. So they don't have to pay him in that case. And, and that's going to free up a lot of that stuff. So, I mean, I don't know exactly how that works in that case, but it's, I mean, he's, it's going to avoid out quite a bit of his contract. So I, I think for the Texans, they're just going to stay back. And that's the best thing to do. Stay back and wait and see what happens. Uh, it's a shame. I mean, Deshaun Watson seems like everything we ever heard about him. He's always been, you know, a straight up guy who, you know, a charitable guy, you know, we know the backstory, how you know, he was from a single mom who was one of the people that Warwick Dunn, built a house for yeah in that program work done used to do or still does and deshaun watson now gets involved in that program you know everything we've ever heard he's a model citizen and now all this damning stuff comes out it's like oh my god you know but where there's smoke just fire i mean just you know i, I it's one or, one or two nothing you know we were ready to defend him a couple weeks 24 now i mean yeah, I, when it one was of those one or two, when it was one and two, and normally I'm not like this, but when it was one and two, I was like, wait a minute, this is kind of shady. The timing was suspect with yeah. the trade market and such. But yeah. now, I mean, you just, I mean, he's a leper at this point. You just can't touch him. You can't do anything with it. You just let it go and, and, and make some decisions down the road. Well, I think you got to look at now. Um, you know, people are going to point to, okay, there's no criminal charges as of right That's now. True. Um, ben Roethlisberger was still suspended six games when there was not I criminal was, charges. I was going to go there too. Um, Tom Brady gets suspended four games for a bogus deflating football situation. I would have to think that there's a very good chance as of right now, Deshaun Watson is not going to start – for any team yeah, to the, begin this upcoming season. Yeah, the league's going to have to step in just because of the accusations alone. If you look at things like, you know, going back as far as Ray Rice and then, you know, Roethlisberger is one of those same kind of things. It's, 
yeah, the league is going to have to step in and they're going to have to make a suspension just based on precedent. Yeah. Because if they don't, then there's a whole lot of people who can say, well, wait a minute, this precedent, this, now nah, you need to step in and do something here. Why aren't you? So it'll be interesting to see what happens. That, when we talk next week, it'll be interesting to see if there's anything happening in the next seven days. But I still think this is going to be something that's going to play out for another month or two. And, you know, I don't think we're really going to know anything until after the draft even. Yeah. I think that's a, a very fair, very uh, good point uh, as far as that goes uh, and uh, that situation there. So uh, with that being said, you know, the free agent market still very active right now. Um, you know, there's still – you know, some good mid-level guys available. Who do you like that's still out there and could possibly be a good home? Uh, for a good team, if you're a good team right now and you need a little bit of help and you don't play too much zone, uh, then I think Richard Sherman's the guy you're going to look at. Uh, he's out there right now. Leonard Fournette still hasn't signed. I suspect Leonard Fournette's going back to Tampa, but uh, that's not officially done. And I think a couple of those veterans, guys like those two, you may not see that talk to the draft as well uh, at this point. Guys are going to come in on one-year deals for a minimum, um, that kind of stuff. So I I suspect that's what we're going to see there. But if I had to choose one guy right now, uh, Adama Kasu is one of those other guys, the same group, the veteran guys who are big names and have some history. Um, again, the, the guy that I'm looking at right now is a, a really good team's going to come along and take Richard Sherman and thinking, yeah, he could play. He could still be effective in man coverage. As long as it's not the Eric's quest that takes him, I'm fine. <laughs> not everything's bad to you, Tom, okay? I mean, you want to talk about the free agent signings. Obviously, the NFC West is something to talk about. Um, I mean, they've gotten better. And the Rams just and, signed Deshaun Jackson. I didn't even know that was possible. Yeah, I mean, that. I think that the Rams signing Deshaun Jackson is a great signing. A one-year deal. Talked about a lot of these guys are going to sign one-year deals. A guy who's a deep route guy. Stafford's got a big arm. That's going to help also guys like Connor Cup and or Cooper Cup and those kind of things where they're going to run some different routes underneath. Stretching defenses. Yeah, I, I think the Rams did a really good job on that one. I think that's one of those I was like, oh, I hear that. Like, that, that one makes a lot of sense to me. In the, uh, in the case of the Chiefs, it seems like their biggest story right now is who they've missed on. They didn't get the deal with Trent Williams done like they would have liked. Yeah. Um, you know, they didn't get uh T.Y. Hilton to leave uh you know Indy like they wanted. Looks like Sammy Watkins is gonna go away and going back to Baltimore. Um, we mentioned last week they were releasing uh Damian Williams, then he ends up in Chicago and such here. Um, and then you bring back Dan Sorensen. Oh my gosh, like you had the perfect opportunity to say bye, get out of here. You didn't have to pay him a damn thing. And you bring back Dan Sorensen. Look, I like Brett Veach, and he's done a heck of a job as GM, but Chiefs are kind of missing right now on free agency. Yeah, I don't – you know, that was a big miss. And, and the one that I'm kind of curious on is Kyle Long. They bring in Kyle Long to play. He's going to play left tackle, and he's been out for a full year. Um, I just see some pictures. He looks incredible. But, uh, you know, I just wonder if that year off, you know, how do your skills – they diminish at all. Um, I don't even know how old he is right now, but I thought that was something that I looked at and went, hmm, is that because they missed on a couple of guys? And I think it is. I think it's because they absolutely missed on a couple of guys they thought they were going to get in the free agency at tackle. Um, 
you know, I, I said last week I liked the Thune signing. Um, but, yeah, I don't think the Chiefs have done a whole lot to um, to improve their roster. The other piece, and I know it got out this past weekend, I saw a little quick little blurb about it, was uh, Tyreek Hill was not willing to redo his deal. Mm. You know, I don't know if you saw that or not, but he's, he's saying he does not want to redo his deal, uh, did not want to help out with the salary cap, I guess. Um, the Chiefs are under the cap. It's fine. They have they have a little bit of money. But um, we talked last week, would it be Matthew or Hill they'll give an extension to? Looks like the Chiefs were wanting to work with Hill on it, and um, they didn't do it. So, Well, and even in his case, you know, for Tyreek Hill, if you want to defend him for a second, is like, you know, this was a guy that was a fifth-round pick, wasn't making much in his first contract. Second-round pick, he took – you know, uh, a bit less than he could have with the, those, you know, accusations, you know, the situation he was in, you can make the, make the case for Tyreek Hill that why should he have to take any more or less? He's paid his dues. Well, I agree with that in thought too. I, I see it from both sides here. So I can see where, you know, the chiefs hung on, paid him some money, took good care of him. A lot of the off the field stuff. Tyreek Hill has been a model citizen since those things came out a few years ago and, and or I guess three or four years ago now, and he's been a model citizen off the field. He's been a great player on the field. He's certainly worthy of an extension. I wonder if this is a little bit of him just wanting that, that information out there, or if it's he really wants to test the free agent waters after next season because he's still under contract for this year and next. Um, he has a pretty huge number in 2022, though. So I, I think that's what the Chiefs were trying to do is work that number out. I, I what I am looking at though is I looked this up here. He has a twenty million dollar salary cap number in twenty twenty two, but if he was cut pre Gen one, it's two point six to the cap. So that's a situation where he might be someone that could be a signing, or maybe he's just thinking, hey, let's see what happens to the TV money, get that all settled out. I'll get an extension after the season. We'll be back in the same boat next year anyway. As far as the contract wise, they'll be looking. The Chiefs will be looking for an extension and some cap space. So I mean, I don't think it's a terrible deal. Um, the the biggest disappointment I think if you're a Chiefs fan is this: uh, Kyle Long is a is a swing that's either it's either a home run or it's a strikeout. Mm-hmm. It, it could be. It could absolutely be a home run. It could be something that nobody else is thinking of, and that tends to work for Andy Reid's teams. But, uh, yeah, it could also be an absolute swing and miss. But you've also got him coming in on a one-year deal, very low number. I mean, it's not costing you hardly anything. And so, I mean, I you might as well give him a shot. So, I mean, if they think they got something there, I don't think he'll be any worse than Eric Fisher. I think Eric Fisher was just incredibly overrated. Yeah. So – yeah. It costs a lot, and, about, and price tag, too. Yeah, so, so, What about Cleveland? Here's a team that finished the year so strong and, you know, really just found themselves in the second half of the year. And, you know, Baker Mayfield went from being a game manager to an elite quarterback from zero to 100 real quick. Um, you know, they really just found something in that Cleveland team in the second half of last year. Now they've shored up their defense with, you know, John Johnson III coming in on a pretty decent deal, three years, $33 million. You know, Tack McKinley, Malik Johnson, you know, just some of the names. 
could you make a case that Cleveland is going to be the second best team in the AFC next year? Are they better than Buffalo or Baltimore or some of those guys? Where does Cleveland stack up among the elites in the AFC now? Well, I, I think a lot of, there's a lot of factors in saying that. I think if you look at the, the NFC East just became a monster. The Dolphins are going to be better. Now, the, I'm saying, yeah, the AFCs. I'm sorry. The Dolphins are going to be better. The uh, the Patriots obviously are going to be better now. Uh, what they've done has been incredible. They've built a roster, a real roster now. Buffalo is about what they Buffalo were anyway. Is, yeah, and, and they haven't done anything to step back or really greatly forward. Because so you get those three, they're going to all beat up on one another. So you might see teams that drop, you know, four or five games during the season where really they're all kind of two and three lost teams. But they're going to drop a couple more because they're all playing each other twice. Yeah. Um, the only easy game you got in there is the Jets. Um, you know, I think if you look at the division that Cleveland's in, you've got the Steelers. We really don't know. I mean, I think Steelers, Steelers are taking a significant step back. Yeah. This year. I mean, are they the But team, even then, for the Steelers, that's like, okay, eight games. Yeah. You know, they're, they're not well, going to be bad. Yeah. Are they the team that went 11 and 0 or the team that went 1 and 5 to close it out? I think there's a middle ground. I think there's somewhere in between. And so I, I kind of wonder that. I mean, you got Baltimore, and uh, you know where are they at? And what are they doing? And they've had a couple of additions, nothing, nothing to write home about. But again, it's kind of treading water. Um, have you seen what the Bengals have done? Yeah, they've gotten better. If Joe Burrow is healthy, I'm still not a believer in Zach Taylor. I'm not either, and I'm not a believer in that organization because we always we know what I like to say about that organization: the Bengals don't deserve Joe Burrow. Um, but they're getting him help on the offensive line. They're getting him a couple of weapons on the field. Um, that's not going to be an easy division. So I don't know that any of those teams are going to be the 13-3, and 14-2 and two team that's going to be behind the Chiefs. The Chiefs have kind of a cakewalk, a little, if you want to comparatively division-wise, in the other divisions. Yeah. Uh, the Chiefs and really the Colts right now, too. Yeah, I mean, certainly. Can I, see I that. think that – I think the, the hardest thing the Chiefs are going to have is the Chargers in their division. The Raiders are taking a significant step back, in my view. Um, I mean, I don't know what Mike Mayock's looking at. I, I He's someone I've respected for a long time, and I'm sitting there going, I don't know what the hell you're doing right now. The moves that they made, all that money they spent on uh, Kenyon Drake? I, I don't understand. Kenyon Drake? I don't understand what the Raiders are doing. Um it's not how you build a franchise. It's not how you build a, a roster. I just um, kind of flabbergasted at this point of what the Raiders are doing. They still haven't figured this quarterback situation. They did get Mario to take a pay cut, um, or supposedly he's going to take a pay cut. Uh, that is not a done deal yet. But And they got some nice pieces. Ruggs is a great piece, and, and Waller's a great piece, but – they still have a franchise quarterback to me. I mean, Derek Carr is just awful. Well, that and, gets to my next point. We were going to we want to talk, you know, quarterbacks in this draft and such. Um, from people I've spoken with and such, and you know, hearing from some sources, it sounds like that the Raiders are keen in on drafting a quarterback, and in particular, they like Trey Lance from North Dakota State. Um, which seems totally like a Gruden move, right? It does look a very Gruden. Uh, Tell you something, guy. Here's a guy right here, North Dakota <laughs> State man. Yeah, this sounds like John Gruden's NFL. And look, I love this John Gruden, man. I, I, you now, know, I love this John Gruden. I love drafting rookie quarterbacks simply because of price tag too, because how cheap they are now with this rookie wage scale. 
But I wonder um, how much is there a trade market for Derek Carr, though, right now? What can there, you really get for Derek Carr? Nothing. And, and, and I think that I, I, I'm going to be shocked if after the draft, Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota are on that roster. Um, one of them's going to have to go. They're going to have to draft a quarterback. Um, what I'm wondering is, I don't know where they pick in the first round, but are they going to try to do this thing for a, a Trey Lance or a Fields or Mac Jones? I, I've got some strong opinions on some of these quarterbacks in this draft. And I, I think if you're the Raiders, you ain't getting the best one. You ain't getting a real good one. I think there's going to be five quarterbacks selected in the first round, but it's not that they're all first round grades. It's just how desperate teams are for a quarterback. I agree a hundred percent. I think there's going to be exactly five quarterbacks in the first round. I think there's one, maybe two real first round quarterbacks. Um, and there's three that I just I I don't I don't see what everybody sees in Trey Lance. I have a real problem with a guy who's only played 16 college games at the FBS level. FCS. FCS level. Um, Justin Fields, I think it's getting a little bit of a of a, of a, a bad uh, deal right now because he's a, an Ohio State quarterback. The last few haven't played real well in the NFL. You know, he's looked at as an athlete, which we all know is code because he's black. Uh, I'm just gonna say it. That's the truth. And and, and, and I, I'm rooting for. Let me be clear. I'm rooting for Justin Fields. I think he's a heck of a player. Likeable kid. Too. And, and yeah. So I'm rooting. For, if you hear this and you think I'm, I'm not trying to be racist, I'm saying I like Justin Fields. I like Justin Fields much better than I like Trey Lance. I would draft Justin Fields way before I would draft Trey Lance. I don't know that I would draft Trey Lance. Okay. I really have that big a problem with the pick. And I may be on my own island on this. And I could be proven wrong. And I'll admit if I'm wrong. But I'm not taking a quarterback who's played 16 college games. And they've all been at the FBS level. Or FCS level. I'm telling you, he reminds me of Mitchell Trubisky. Mitchell Trubisky was the same thing. He played one season as a starter at North Carolina. And he moved way up because he wanted his athletic ability in his arm. Mm -hmm. I know stats are for losers, but I do I – don't, I don't care what the level is. It does stand out to me, that stat he has of no picks. I, I think it's just – I it means nothing. It means nothing to you? Nothing. No, I mean, look at something here. I'll pull up. I want to see Justin Fields' – how many picks did he throw at, at Ohio State? I mean, I, I – well, he threw three in one game against Indiana. Yeah, I saw that game too. He did. He he actually balled out in that game too, though. He was under a lot of pressure to carry that team. And he did because um, that game, they, Indiana came for them in that game. I watched that game. It was a great game. Um, you know, Zach Wilson's a guy that everyone looks at too, and they they're, they're going. I think they're over. Teams are desperate. They want a quarterback. They try to. They're all going to reach. They're going to reach on Lance. It seems like athleticism is being overblown on these quarterbacks. Well, I I think so. Well, I think that Justin Fields is actually getting marked off on it. I, I think they're they're looking at him and saying, well, he's not a real quarterback. He's an athlete. Um, look, Trevor Lawrence is Trevor Lawrence, and one thing I feel bad for on Trevor Lawrence is he's got to go play in Jacksonville. You know, it's almost like they don't deserve him. Um, and Urban Meyer too. He doesn't yeah. know how to develop quarterbacks. Quarterback. I, anyway, um, Zach Zach Wilson. You know everybody. You know, uh, 
two months ago, it was that Fields might go two. And now everybody's thinking that Zach Wilson might go two or three instead. Um, I like Zach Wilson. He's a good ball player. I, I think he has a chance to be – he's the one guy other than Lawrence I think is a first-round grade. Okay. I think Fields is a second-round grade. Um, I think he could be a really good quarterback. I think Fields is a guy you would want to put on the bench behind a vet. Fields would be a great pick for Atlanta. Yeah. Fields would be a great pick for the Falcons. I'm saying as a Saints fan, oh, it just hurts me. I think the kid's got a lot of talent, and I think that it would be a good pick by putting behind Matt Ryan for a season or two. Um, I've already spelled out about Trey Lance. I don't know how anybody thinks Mac Jones is going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. If you think Mac Jones is going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, we need to go ahead and drug test you. <laughs> I, watched, I watched the pro day videos. I saw a couple things <laughs> in the pro day, and they're so look at his great arm. And the receiver had to stop and go backwards to catch the ball. <laughs> now, look, I, he played around a lot of great players. He played with a great offensive line in front of him, great receivers. And I'm not saying the guy is not talented. But he ain't a first-round pick. To me, Mac Mac Jones is a third, fourth-round guy. I think we have really, really blown up the position of quarterback and overrated all of them in this case. This is not a great quarterback draft at all. Um, Trevor Lawrence is going to be great. Zach Wilson's got a chance if he goes to the right place. Fields, I like if he goes to the right place and can sit for a year or two. Mac Jones, I mean – I mean, unless you think he's Drew Brees, but taller. But I, I don't like his arm. I, I do like that he's played in a big offense with big players and great players all around him. But how similar is Mac Jones to a guy like um, uh, Jared Goff? Yeah. You know? You give me, you know, Jalen Waddle and Devonta Smith, I'm going to throw 20 touchdowns. I so. mean, yeah. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I, I can do that too. Um, so I'm not real, real keen on that one. I'm looking at the ESPN rankings here. They've got Kyle Trask next, and then, you know, Kellen Mond, Jamie Newman, and, and Ian Buck. Uh, Ellinger rounds in their top 10. You know, you can't pass those first five. Kyle Trask got a chance to be a, a decent quarterback. It, again, I got a, a career backup guy. Kellen Mond's a hell of an athlete. I think he could be a real good quarterback in, in the right situation. There's that athlete term again. Yeah, <laughs> but, and you're right. And you're right. And, and he's a guy that, you know, I don't think Kellen Mond's a starting quarterback. No, you know he's a guy. You, if you can put him on your roster, your quarterback gets hurt, he's gonna be out two games. Maybe he's good to get you get you split in two games. You know that kind of thing. You're telling me he's not gonna pull a Lamar Jackson? No, I don't think so. I, I think Justin Fields is more more of that than 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 Kellen Mond. So I, I know he's fired now, but Doug Peterson said last year that the backup quarterback they felt is the. 11th most important position on the entire football field. Um, do you see teams? We mentioned that there's going to be so many first round quarterbacks. Do you think we're going to see again, kind of like what we saw last year, where at the time Philly was drafting for a backup in Jalen Hurts? We didn't know Carson Wentz was going to have this type of awful year like this. Do you think we're going to see teams? drafting high again for guys just to be their backup like yeah. we saw last year too? Yeah, Is I, this the new trend? Yeah, I think that's where you're going to see Mac Jones and Kyle Trask go too high. That's exactly what it's going to be. They're going to they're, be. They're, they're going to be picked. They're going to be too high. Mac Jones is going to go in the first round. He's not a first round pick. He's an 89 grade on the ESPN draft. ESPN draft. I, 
Mac Jones isn't going to be a starting quarterback. Um, I don't care who drafts him. And, and but he's going to be someone that someone late in the first round is going to take. Yeah, you know, a team I might you think might look at him is a team like the Steelers. You know, God, please not let my New Orleans Saints draft him. I'm so scared to death they're going to as well. Um, <laughs> but I just think that I just think that yeah, I think that the Jalen Hurts thing I think helps some of these guys, uh, specifically Jones and Trask. Okay. I think those are the two guys that, yeah, they might sneak up a little higher um, than they probably would have gone. The league in total has gotten to where it's overvalued the quarterback position unless you, they're, you're going to reach now. Someone's going to reach, and there's a chance that the top five could have four quarterbacks. <laughs> Look, there are better wide receivers that should be in the top five than any of the quarterbacks not named Trevor Lawrence. Yes. Are you drafting the – I'll go one step further. The best player in this draft is not Trevor Lawrence. I agree with that. Yeah. Who do Monte you Smith. It's, it, I think it's 1A, 1B, Smith, or Jamar Chase. He's, I think it's Jamar whoever Chase. Whoever you like better. Yeah. yeah I, I think, I yeah, think it's I, a personal preference. Yeah, I like. think Jamar Chase is special. I think he's special. He's the best player in the draft. I, I I can see the, where you're going. I can see that too. I, I think those two wide receivers should be in the mix for two and three. You're going to take Lawrence one. I mean, that's just a no brainer uh, because he is the quarterback and we do overvalue that. And frankly, the team that's picking one needs a quarterback. So, yeah, I mean, well, I'll say this though, with, tra- with, with Trevor Lawrence, we'll wrap up the, the draft talk on this as far as Trevor Lawrence goes. Uh, the Jags have so many problems, so many holes. I think I don't think Gardner Minshew is a bad quarterback, especially since they got him what the seventh round or something. Yeah. Like you know, Gardner Minshew has certainly made his money's worth for where he was picked. Um, but replacing Trevor Lawrence with Gardner Minshew is not going to solve all their problems all overnight. There's so many weaknesses with that Jags team; they are still going to be awful next year, even with Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I well, they got to put some pieces around it. They've already spent some money, and they're going to spend more of it. They're still the team with the most salary cap room. Um, they're going to keep putting pieces as many as they can around him. Uh, my biggest concern on Trevor Lawrence is really physically is his release when he throws the ball. I don't think he's thin. I don't some people think he's athletic. I think he's thin. He's six six two twenty. Uh, to me, that's small. I, when I've watched him play, I've seen him in person once, and I've watched him a lot on TV. I just he seems small. Now, he's also young too. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is how old? I mean, he's he's what 20, he's 20 or like 21 him. years old. He's not a he's not, you know, he's not a senior out there. He, um, I think that you know that's part of it too. So he may grow into his body a little bit more. You know, with Trevor Lawrence at six days, you need to be out there at 235. I mean, 10, 15 pounds, and that could come in a year or two. Sure. Absolutely could. Um, so that will that will help him and help him mature as a player. I don't want to degrade him saying that I think he's a bad quarterback. I think he's going into a really shitty situation, though. I do. I I think Trevor Lawrence should have pulled an Eli Man. As soon as Jacksonville got the number one pick, just it's said, not too late. Just said, nope, nope, I'm not doing that. Trevor, it's not too late. It, it is too late for you. He's already made the deal. It's already done. I'm, I'm, I'll bet his contract's already done. Probably so. I bet it is. I bet they've already reached. I bet he's already been talking to Urban, you know. Yeah, he's been sitting down with Urban. I bet that's interesting. He's already got the playbook. Urban's going to fake a heart attack in two years (laughs) when 
You realize how bad his team is that he just built. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> when I'm you not realize this, I'm, I'm working for this bad wrestling promoter. Man, I'm, working, I'm working for this his auto parts guy with his kid running around running the wrestling organization. Yeah, I, they're going to have Urban Meyer on AEW wrestling at some point. How long till Jim Ross is the play-by-play voice of the Jags? Oh, that would be beautiful. That would be okay. Actually. I actually watched some of the AEW recently, and Jim Ross is mailing it in. By the way, he's totally a <laughs> taking that paycheck. Man, he's taking that billionaire's paycheck, man. He's, I mean, he's insulting the guys on there. I was laughing my ass off watching some of that a couple weeks ago. <laughs> like, man, he's just. I mean, I can't remember what it was. Something happened, and he was just like, "Really?" <laughs> and I was like, "Man." I, I guess in my mind, I'll always hear because I'm old enough to remember like Jim Ross in the heyday, you know, the, you know, Stone Cold, Stone Cold, and he threw him off a damn cell. Stop that match. You know, that kind of stuff. I mean, that's, that's my guy. I will, that's my generation. But yeah, I, I can see Jim Ross calling Jacksonville Jaguar. I can see J- Jim Ross doing Jacksonville Jaguar games on the side just to. Speaking of, uh, of Sooners, uh, we mentioned Jim Ross. Uh, one college note for you this week. Um, Lincoln Riley, mm-hmm. uh, head coach of Oklahoma this week, uh, was asked about his now former quarterback, Chandler Morris, who if folks at home don't know, Chandler Morris is the son of uh, Chad Morris, the former Arkansas head coach. And um, we've seen that Chandler, uh, he played really good when he was, you know, in at times, filling in for Spencer Rattler last year, particularly the Cotton Bowl. He had some big plays there in that Florida win. And he has come to the realization that he doesn't want to sit behind Spencer Rattler. Understandably so. Sure. Made his way to TCU. He'll be the starter, more than likely, from day one there at TCU. And TCU's got themselves a good quarterback now. Um, and with COVID and the way transfer rules are working, he's going to be immediately eligible. He'll play this upcoming season. Sure. Uh, Lincoln Riley's come out and said that he is adamantly against the idea of Morris and others being eligible immediately within conference. He yeah. thinks that there should be a penalty of sorts, a wait time if you transfer within conference. To me, I'm looking at this bowl, a few things. First off, it was a COVID year. Everyone should get the benefit of the doubt anyway to go transfer where they want without penalty even just with that alone, but the conference stuff, whatever it may be, if these kids aren't getting paid, you know, at least for crying out loud, let them play where they want. Let them go to school where they want. Yeah. I mean, my, my goodness. I mean, yeah. Lincoln, I like Lincoln Riley too, but I mean, you, you come off as a tool saying something like that. Well, it, he's saying it, he's, he's saying it that way. He wants to keep that player. And he's thinking, well, He's going in conference. That gets him around the argument of someone saying, well, wait a minute. You took you took a transfer quarterback. You played immediately. Lincoln's afraid of TCU confirmed. <laughs> if, if, if Lincoln Riley, if he blocks this, I think it's kind of a – I think it's a dick move. Um, I'm sorry, I, Evan. He tried to block uh, uh, oh, uh, Austin Kendall from going to West Virginia. Yeah. I, you know, whether they're in conference or not. You know what? If you're Lincoln Riley, you're the head coach at Oklahoma, act like you're the head coach at Oklahoma. <laughs> Don't act like you're the head coach at K State. Don't act like you're at North Dakota State and you gotta and you gotta, you know, you're gonna be an ass and start to say, oh, I don't want you to go. No, but act like you're the coach at Oklahoma and say, hey, young man, good luck. We're gonna kick your ass and we see you anyway. <laughs> what do you think, Tom? I know you always like uh any shot you can take at Oklahoma. 
you know i do um <clears throat> yeah i think it's i think it's kind of like uh you know if, if this was nick saban he would have said all right next man up whatever yeah sucks that you won't be on the championship team but that's your decision and that's exactly uh, that's that's right. the attitude you should have i mean you got no um, team that's going to be the preseason. guy you got an Oklahoma team that's going to be the preseason number two team in the country. You didn't need Chandler Morris, Lincoln. I mean, like, what, what's what's yeah, the deal? Is he hiding something? I mean, <laughs> is, is this kid like the next goat or what? I mean, I mean, if you're Spencer Rattler, you're just like, God, oh, come on, let the kid go. Uh, you know, it just blows my mind. I'm like, all right, maybe he just woke up on the wrong side of the bed or. I don't know why he's insecure. He comes off as insecure about the whole situation. Yeah. It's it's a dick move for sure. I mean, I just – yeah, if you're the head coach of Oklahoma, act like you're the freaking coach of Oklahoma. Uh, Especially – This is the shit that a Texas coach would do. <laughs> and, and then on top of that, of all things too, who's the most notable player at the University of Oklahoma in the last five years? Uh, Baker Mayfield, a – conference transfer quarterback. Yeah. yeah, they've benefited way too many times off <laughs> yeah, of a transfer quarterback. Yeah, whether it was Baker or Jalen Hurts. I mean, you know. yes, Baker did sit out a year, but I mean, come on. Hurts did. Yeah, Hurts did. Yeah. Yeah. Came right over. And you and I guess, you know, Riley's argument is, well, Hurts wasn't in conference. Okay, well, you know, tough shit. I mean, you're not <laughs> really you're not really playing for a conference championship anyway. You're playing for a national title. Right. Yeah, yeah it's you. You're gonna if if this kid moves the needle that much for TCU, I'm pissed that Oklahoma State didn't call. <laughs> he's good too. I like General Morris. So I mean, he's good, but that's I mean, sure, Does he, does he make TCU a, a Big Twelve title contender? Well, not to mention uh, Chandler Morris is from the Dallas area. He came home. Oh, like, come on. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah, I mean that's just comes off as super insecure. Yeah, it does. Bo, uh, check him out. O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com, O-E-G-K-S.com is the website. And uh, we will chat with him next week. But Bo's going to stick around for the uh, the rest of the show here. Bo, uh, uh, we, we got a few more things that we still want to get you uh, to get to. I'll be happy to stay with you for a little bit. Hey, you're in my basement. So okay. I guess, can't kick you out yet. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk to NBA now, Tom. Um, First off, Blake Griffin going to the Nets. Uh, last week on this show, we were talking about how the Nets were playing so good, even without Kevin Durant healthy. They were waiting for him to come back. Now you got Blake Griffin joining the fold. You know he's there. He's already made an impact. The rich are just getting richer with this Nets team. I mean, uh, watch out. Now you add Blake Griffin, you get KD back. Last week we were talking. We raised the question, Tom, about the Nets. Were they? the best team in the East. Now I wonder, um, now I know the Lakers aren't at full strength right now, but what do you think of a full strength Lakers team versus a full strength Nets team? I would almost lean towards the Nets now. Am I, is that what you're thinking too? Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, this team, I mean, it's, it's just an arms race. It's been an arms race since LeBron went to the heat. Uh, it's just who can you get? I'm, I'm sure I would be shocked if the Nets somehow got some of these buyout people even. You're going to have the ring chasers, the David West of the NBA, as I like to call it, come and try to get on board. 
and the Lakers will have that as well. I mean, I've heard I've heard Andre Drummond getting bought out and going to the Lakers as well. And so it's an arms race between those two teams. Um, I mean, I'm sure it'll cost you money to bet on the Lakers or the Nets after the buyout. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I agree. I think that uh, these teams are only going to get better here in this next uh, week or so. The trade deadline uh, approaching here um, within, what, the next day or two, something like that? Um, Third, tomorrow, well, technically we're recording this on Wednesday. So today, tomorrow at like 1.30 or 2.30, maybe 2 o'clock. So, so we're basically in the eleventh hour now. Um, who's going to be the biggest mover here in these in the next few hours, Tom? Or, or are we going to see any big moves at all? You know, I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of big moves. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of them will be bought out. But that's, I mean, Lamarcus Aldridge isn't getting traded from the Spurs. They haven't made a, a trade midseason since twenty fourteen. Um, he's rumored to go to the Heat. Um, I think Drummond gets bought out. I, I think a lot of the movers and shakers that could have been moved um, are going to just end up getting bought out. Yeah, I think that's I, how that's how I see it. But I mean, you know, I'm not Woj, so I mean, I'm I'm not dropping a Woj bomb here on you um, just yet. But I I don't really see a whole lot of you know. They mentioned Kyle Lowry. I don't think he's leaving the Raptors. Um, at least not at the trade deadline. Um, but, you know, I'll be shocked if there's anything that moves the needle that much. So you mentioned Lowry. Um, if the Raptors move on from Kyle, Kyle Lowry, is that officially the, the throw in the towel, the rebuild, or can they actually get enough value to still be a contender of some sort? Does that signify – Anything for the Raptors if they move on from Lowry? I mean, maybe. I mean, I think at this point he is the – you know, it was DeRozan was the identity. Now it's Kyle Lowry. You know, they have Siakam, um, who's who's a kind of a major piece, I'd say. He hasn't super lived up to what they said he was going to be at first. But um, OG and Nobi uh, can, can, could be a little bit better. Um, but I think for the most part, I think you would essentially throw in the towel, maybe look to build around Siakam. I mean, that's what I would do, I guess. They're not going to compete against the Nets or the Lakers if they even made it that far. Um, I mean, they're paying the price for, uh, you know, getting Kawhi. I mean, they, and, and I think it's worth it on their end. I mean, I, I think they're happy with getting the championship and, and then, you know, kind of moving on from there. Um, LaMelo Ball is uh, out for the rest of the season, and he was having a, a very good uh, rookie year. Looked like he was on pace to be rookie of the year, or at least one of the top contenders. And, and uh, I mean, you, you look at what he did there in that Charlotte team and such. Um, I liked what I saw from him. Uh, his family is still wacko is crazy, and – LeVar is still talking for some reason. Don't know why. Um, but for Charlotte, Tom, uh, you know, he, he brought some excitement, some new life to Charlotte, uh, some, some interest there. We haven't talked about Charlotte like this in quite some time, but, you know, they, they hope that he's going to be okay from this injury, that he recovers and all this. But in actuality, 
Charlotte wasn't going anywhere anyway with him not being out there and getting wins. This actually isn't a terrible situation for them in the fact that they'll lose a little bit more and actually help their, their draft stock status here. Yeah, I think so too. And, and you know, of, of anybody, I think the Warriors, the Warriors haven't made many mistakes uh, in the past few years, but one they did make, I'm sure they're kicking themselves and hindsight's 2020, but uh, if, if the Warriors draft LaMelo Ball, I, I mean, the NBA would be really in trouble. So it's probably best uh, that Charlotte did get him uh, because if this is the Warriors getting LaMelo Ball, we're all in trouble. Uh, this kid's this, this kid is obviously the best ball brother. Um, I mean, be hard pressed to have anybody disagree with me. Um, he's been incredible. I'm jealous that Spurs don't have him. Uh, I think this kid's bound to be a star in this league uh, if he's not already. Lonzo has had a, a decent year there with uh, New Orleans, and his name's come up in uh, trade conversations here. Um, do you think we've seen? Lonzo's ceiling, or do you think he can take another step up of sorts here uh, with uh, with his performance? I've even heard about possibly the Lakers even having a reunion with Lonzo here. Wouldn't that be something? I mean, they would have a fit uh, to get to get Lonzo back. I mean, they would pay they would pay a premium if they want Lonzo back. But I, you know, he's he's done well for himself. I think in New Orleans, so you know. Everyone was ready to ride him off as soon as the Lakers got rid of him. But, um, you know, I, I could see him, you know, staying with New Orleans even and and even maybe becoming a piece with Zion even some more. Um, you know, I like what New Orleans has done uh, in, in terms of, of kind of rebuilding after Anthony Davis, of course. Um, I mean, obviously Zion helps that, but uh, I would be – I. I'd be hard pressed to see the Pelicans unless they can get uh, a good, a good stock for Lonzo, trade him away. Uh, uh, I, I think they like where they're at. If everybody else likes Lonzo that much, then he's got to be worth something. Speaking of the Lakers, um, LeBron out for a bit, and the Davis has been out for a while. Um, now, you know, they, they weren't the one or two seed anyway. They're, they're like the three seed behind Phoenix and Utah. Four seed now. Thank you, Bo. Um, and we've seen how competitive the West is and everything here. Tom, if they don't get either one of those guys back anytime soon, the Lakers could really put themselves behind the eight ball, make this playoffs a whole lot tougher than it could have been for them um, for what we think is the best team in the Western Conference. If these guys don't get back soon, this is going to be uh, quite the experience for them to, to possibly be what, maybe even the fifth or sixth seed or something. I mean, what this this is uh, this could be very bad for the Lakers if they don't get those guys back quickly. Yeah, I mean, I think they're still going to make the playoffs. I feel like we talked about this not too long ago that you know they're they're kind of like one of those teams that hey, as long as we make it's like the Warriors a few years ago. Hey, as long as we make it in there, we're good. It doesn't mean the road doesn't get harder, though, for them. Um, I mean, they want those. And, and maybe that's why some of the buyout there, there's rumors of them getting, you know, Drummond and, and maybe a few others are looking for other key pieces to kind of uh, to kind of mitigate those losses that could happen, uh, you know, up until playoff time. Obviously, they don't want to slip any further uh, than they are right now. But uh, the reality of it is when you lose those type of players, you're bound to. 
I want to see Bo and LeVar Ball in the same room. I that would be interesting. They need to really get a lot of too. I want to see you absolutely despise. I want to see you rip into him. He looks like he looks like someone put a terrible towel in his mouth. He needs to clean his teeth. (laughs) Get you you a brush and some toothpaste. Let's help you out. His son can't even get him no no dental insurance, nothing. Cleaning every six months. Come on, man. Even I can afford that. Um, I'm not a fan. No, it would be fun though. You could put down a pay-per-view. Me, oh, right. Me and Lavar Ball get after one another. I have a feeling. I have a feeling that wouldn't last long either, though. I, I probably put him down. Oh yeah. The first um, time, the first time he pulls an undefeated, never lost. I'm like, until today, partner, <laughs> you about to lose. Tom, I would pay to watch Ball go after it with Lavar. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can make some money off this. I mean, I think Lavar's a businessman. I, th- I think, you know, he's 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 just a uh, a. a He's just a Skip Bayless that didn't have a show. Hopefully, they don't give him oh. one. <laughs> That's another one I'd like to have a piece of. Uh, you know, LeVar Ball, you know, I'll give Save it for round two. Skip I'll, tell you, round. I, I'll tell you, I'll give LeVar Ball a lot of credit, though. You know, Piers Morgan is the UK Skip Bayless. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty well put. I, I despise all things Skip Bayless. LeVar Ball, I will give him some credit for. That guy's a salesman. And yeah, he, he's oh man, he knows the top I, sales, I, so. I may not like the guy, but I'll tell you what, that guy could sell. If that guy could be in, if that guy was a salesman, uh, he'd be every award on the wall you could have, he'd have them all. <laughs> he'd walk around that little pimp walk of his. I'm telling you, man, I know it. I, I, I have a lot of his, and, and he loves his kids. I, I, I respect that too. He's their biggest fan. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. He I might mean, not be right, but he may, yeah, he may not be. <laughs> yeah, I as I respect the game. I mean, you know, game respects game. You know, but I'm telling you, he uh, yeah, he he he's a self promoter for sure. <laughs> I, I would love I would love to sit down with Levar Ball. That'd be fun. Oh my gosh! Yeah, uh, we'll make you, it. you said Skip Bayless though. That's a whole different animal there. <laughs> I might have to kill him. I mean, just I, <laughs> he is the guy. So, like we talked about this before off the air. I think I hate debate, sports debates, uh, TV. Oh, so bad. Just get up and all the other undisputed. Stuff, undisputed. I hate all of them. I don't watch any of them anymore. You know, I just don't find it. If you have an interesting opinion about something, I will definitely listen. That's why, like, I'm a big Dan Leopard guy. I loved Highly Questionable. Yeah. Because even when they didn't have a strong opinion, they at least say something funny. Right. But it wasn't an argue. There's no point in arguing about sports. No. No. You know, the three of us are together, and whenever I'm, you know, whenever I get on here with you guys, I enjoy it. We never argued. No. There's no point in it. To, to get as passionate, and Skip Bayless argues for the sake of arguing, and I hate people who do that. <laughs> People who just take a side just to be contradictory to you, those people are the worst people in the world. And, and you know, it, it, he doesn't have a real opinion, right? You know, at least with and I feel like I can I can give Stephen A. Smith some props because he has an opinion, and that's going to st- he stays with that opinion. I said this to uh, somebody the other day. The difference between Stephen A. and Skip is that Stephen A. is at least self aware of his act and what he's doing and the yes. yelling and all that. Yes. And he embraces, he knows who he is. Skip is not self-aware at all. I think, think you're, I think you're spot on with that. I also think that when, when Stephen A. Smith has a strong opinion, it's his real opinion. 
right. is how he feels. And that's why he's going to argue that way. Watch Stephen A. Smith talking about the Knicks and how emotional he gets about the Knicks is hilarious to me because he's a Knicks fan. And you could tell. Right. You know, his hate for the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, he legitimately. And see, that's something Dallas he, he and I could bond on that. Right. Because right. I, I have a full hate for the Cowboys, too. Yeah. It, it, it's very fitting, Tom, that, that Skip is a Dallas Cowboys and Oklahoma Sooners fan. That all makes sense. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, you couldn't you couldn't draw it up any better than that, right? Yeah. Before we get out of here today, it's time for Bo's favorite segment. Actually, time for our Tom Fuller story Tom, of the week. I love Tom Fuller. <laughs> we find uh, out Tyler was telling me that. I mean, if you love it and you love a good story, maybe we just need to. Maybe I'll take a headshot and start signing them out. <laughs> <laughs> You got a lot. You got a lot of signed shit in that basement, man. It's time to add a top like, You have to get a big picture, though. I'll have to be the ceiling fan, <laughs> going around and around and around. That's what we see on the zooms. So. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. That's that's me, just around and around and around the story. All that's that's an inside joke. Um, <laughs> time for our Tom Fullery story of the week this week. Tom, where are we going to head to this time? Jones, we are not going too far from where I'm at right now. We will stay in Tulsa. Um, Jones, if I don't think I know anybody that actually picked Oral Roberts to not only beat Ohio State, but to beat Florida and reach the Sweet 16. And I'm glad I didn't make the bet that this guy met, made this guy, Kyle Kerms. Uh, made a bet and said that he would he was guaranteeing Florida would beat Oral Roberts. Well, they didn't. And he made a bet to get Oral Roberts tattooed on his ass. And that he did. Um, he said on, at 8.44 a.m. on March 21st, no, Oral Roberts is not going to beat Florida today. That's a response to all the DMs I have asking. No shot. That happens. Mark my words. Words. I'll get an Oral Roberts tattoo. Trust me, I am safe here. Zero chance. And the next tweet, the sauce is a man of his word. I give you a royal, a royal, Oral Roberts tattoo. And sure enough, it is on his butt. Uh, this is a Barstool Sports article, by the way. It goes on to say, "Is this crazy person move that's getting attention? A hundred percent." But I have to give credit to Kyle here. So many times we see people make promises that they get a tattoo or something and the like and then bails out. Happens way more than people actually going through with it. So I'm going to applaud Kyle here for getting Oral Roberts tattoo. And it is not just Oral Roberts. It's three words. Oral Roberts tattoo. Right there in what looks like Comic Sans font right on his ass. My only oh, yeah. complaint is Dan he gotten a better one. Oral Roberts. They, they say Oral Roberts actually has a pretty good logo. I wish he would have got the Golden Eagle on his butt. Um, get Yeah, it goes on, get the muscular chicken on your ass. Way better than Oral Roberts' tattoo. Yes, I understand the joke. It's just not that funny. If you're going to go through with it, pick one of the logos and ride with that. At minimum, get Max uh, uh, help me pronounce his last name. Acemus. Acemus basketball jersey. Um... Which we talked about NBA earlier. He's getting a lot of draft play right now. Um, at the minimum, get Smitty on the phone for how to go about ass tattoos. I'm glad that Oral Roberts has Max and Kevin, though. The last 15 seed was awesome to get there. Dunk City, A-plus name, better colors. They were legit fun, and Andy Enfield was married to a Maxim model. 
Uh, Oral Roberts can't dance on campus. They can't drink. They can't gamble, which makes this bet even more hilarious. Actually, it makes it even more hilarious that they're participating in one of the most bet on events in the world. Uh-huh. Oral Roberts can't even have skateboards. Let me see. There's a link to that. Um, it goes on to put the, the hands tweet. Ohio State caught these hands. Jones, you know what that is. Oh, yeah. Got the show, Bo. The big praying hands. Um, oh, okay. Here they go. They It's a link to ORU's behavioral and conduct regulations. Um, let's see. You can't even wait a second. All nighttime jogging beginning 30 minutes before sunset and ending 30 minutes after sunrise will be done on the lighted jogging trail north of the aerobics center. Um, let's see what else. Profanity they have profanity is strictly prohibited. It subjects the student to disciplinary action. Well, I'm glad none of us went to ORU. Uh, go there. <laughs> You're right. I was going to say that. <laughs> recreation after hours. Okay, not that kind of recreation. Um, social dancing. The ORU administration recognizes that opinions vary among Christians as the proprietary or propriety of social dancing. However, the following official university policy has been established. Social dancing is not permitted on campus, and members of the student body are prohibited from using ORU's name and planning or sponsoring social dances of any kind off campus. Um, let's see what else I can find in here. So so this guy gets a, a, an ass tattoo that says Oral Roberts tattoo. Um, that, that is funny. It could have been better with putting the actual ORU logo or putting the the bird itself there. Or I mean, I feel like the bird would have been more... The bird would have been more... Uh, you know, expensive. Assuming that he funded this tattoo, right? Now, if it's if it's crowdfunded, by all means, uh, uh, I mean, get the bird. Isn't tattoo bets like the stupidest thing you can do? Well, I would never. There's if no you way were, you if you wanted to make one though. that would involve a tattoo. No, I agree. As there's no bet in which I'd be willing to risk that. If I if we would have made a bet instead of the hundred bucks on the bucks and I would have had to get a Tom Brady tattoo, I would be so upset. I'm, I'm the guy though, I wouldn't I wouldn't make a tattoo bet because if I lost, I don't care who you are. You can fight me if you want to. I'm not getting a fucking dumb tattoo. I don't have any tattoos currently, and so the first tattoo I get is damn sure not gonna be Tom Brady. I don't have any tattoos. I'm not anti-tattoo. I just have a thought of something that I want in my body the rest of my life. Not to mention they're not cheap. And well, for a good one, I, if I get one, I'm going to get a good one and spend good money on it. I'm not. I'm not getting an Oral Roberts tattoo. Hell, I'm not even getting an Oklahoma State tattoo. Okay. Um, you got any tattoos? I, mean, I do, but you can't see it. What's the tattoo? Oh, okay, you're. No, I don't have a tattoo. Oh, so oh that's a it was a joke. It was in the one place you can't see. Oh, okay. okay. Oh, come on. Tell me you've got no, like I don't. a picture of Matt Ryan on your ass. <laughs> <laughs> there is no bet that I'd be willing to make to do that. Um, no, uh, I, I taste some hell on the other. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Philip Rivers and his 10 kids. <laughs> 
Oh my god, no, no, I don't have it. I've never had. There's nothing I've ever felt that strongly about. Right? Did I want to play? I mean, and I have zero power. What about your hatred for Notre Dame? What's that? What about your hatred for Notre Dame? That would be interesting. I mean, maybe like you know, someone bludgeoning touchdown genius Jesus or something. I don't know. I don't oh my gosh! <laughs> uh, a, a wrecking ball hitting t- touchdown genius Jesus. Uh, no, I, I don't know. I don't. There's nothing that I would think of. I've, I mean, I've thought about getting one before, but I've never, I've been, never been like, what would it be? You know, I mean, even like my son's name or something. I just don't think I would do that. I, I, maybe you know your son's name. Yeah, I don't need to be reminded. Of, <laughs> I mean, I, oh, his name's Peyton. Oh, really? Yeah, I was about to say. I don't. I mean, if it's I don't, I don't need to be reminded. It's not like yeah, I don't need to. <laughs> I look over and realize the biggest mistake I ever made in my life having children. <laughs> I love my son. I love him very, very much. I love him more than anybody or anything in this whole world. Well, that's nice. I regret having children. <laughs> <laughs> my, my dad always says, don't get married and have kids. And I'm, I'm 28 right now, and I'm. I don't know if that's by my own volition or not, but I'm I'm saying it is. I I have been married now for tw- it'll be 22 years. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say I've been married a number of times or however. No, I've been married 22 and years, and I have a wonderful, wonderful wife who I love very, very much. Shout and out Jen O'Connor. She, Je- yeah, Tyler, is she in the room right now holding the gun? <laughs> no, she's not. <laughs> she is listening, I imagine. Um, no, she. Uh, I and I, I love her very much, but. Uh, before I got married, a couple weekends before I got married, my dad and I were talking. And my dad said to me, he said, son, he says, uh, I love you very much. And and your wife's a wonderful, wonderful woman. You're going to be very happy. Says, You're too young to get married, though. I was 24, 23 or 24 at the time. Okay, so my age. So, yeah, I was too young. But, and, and it was it was probably pretty good advice. But, you know, it's worked out. It doesn't mean I was right. <laughs> um, you know, I I think if you look at it, it's just a it's a personal preference thing. And I would tell you the advice I give people all the time, young people that I mentor or people that I know, and take your time. Take your, don't rush that shit. <laughs> don't rush into that. Not only do you get a Tom Fullery story, you also get marriage and life advice from Bo. Yeah, which you can also get life insurance and other financial advice from Bo. You're just a wealth of knowledge. Man, I appreciate you, OAGKAS.com. Thank you so much, Thomas, for helping with that little well, counter-advisor group, that guy. Man, right, I, I'm trying to pull my best Jones, but I couldn't I couldn't quite figure out what I am not O'Connor at LPL.com. <laughs> Give him the phone number, Jones. <laughs> that phone number You have to look at your phone or do you have it? You know, you haven't memorized yet. Uh, I'm surprised no, uh, he doesn't. I don't have a memorized. It's seven eight five eight five six zero seven two zero. Let me let me do that again, uh, so so it sounds properly. Uh, give Brian a call at seven eight five eight five six zero seven two zero. That's eight five six zero seven two zero. The schedule an appointment today online at O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com or OAGKS.com. Yeah. You, know, you know the funniest <laughs> part about being friends with you, Jonesy, is that. You talk in radio voice all the time. It's awesome. <laughs> it's you know, I, I want Jones. We need you to do like a Dr. Zellner and Tulsa like breast augmentation commercial. <laughs> That's one that wouldn't be too crazy raunchy to get away with that you could actually take serious. Now, the other ones, um, you know, we did well, what was the one we did that you were on the show? I'm trying to think. 
Roman. Roman. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't take you seriously. How, there. Do, you not, how do you guys not have Roman as a sponsor yet? <laughs> we got Waterburger on the other one. I mean, I think if Waterburger sponsors the race, uh, you know, David Star Pod, I think we need to one up it, Bo. I and think maybe need- Tyler get us a Roman or a, a Bluetooth. A Roman or a Bluetooth, the other one. Hey, I'm, yeah, not, I'm not opposed to see Alice either. <laughs> no, we'll, you we'll, we'll let you be their test dummy, Tom. No, I, we can't be doing all that. I mean, <laughs> let's save that for next week, and uh, we'll get out of here today. Big thanks to Kate McFarland for stopping by. Uh, Bo, thanks for joining us and uh, letting us uh, borrow your house for a couple hours. Uh, yeah, it was fun. Thanks for having me on the whole day. The whole day, I appreciate it. And, yes, uh, have uh, have a great week, and I'll talk to you guys next week. All right, we will uh, see you then. Make sure to subscribe to the Jones Report on. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. On uh, social media, facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges at TJ Media Group, Instagram, Tyler Jones Live, Insta Thomas, and uh, Jones underscore Report is where you can find us there. And we'll see you right back here next week for another edition of the Jones Report. So long, everybody.